ManaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. Hey everybody, Brian David Marshall here for Top 8 Magic. We've got special guest, Zvi Mashowitz. Uh, Zvi has uh, demanded airtime. We need to talk about Throne. <laughs> so, <laughs> Throne, Throne of Eldraine, spoiler season, full-blown, uh, going on right now. Uh, as I was coming in to meet up with you, I was looking at Twitter, and Ari Lax was like, how come people aren't talking about how insane this set is? And he, he has this, he, he, like, people started tearing out broken magic sets, and he has this in Urza's Destiny tier. Does that seem insane to you? I think that seems correct. Jesus. <laughs> I don't think it's Saga, but yeah, I think it's... I mean, look, the you combination, think we're a grim monolith level. Well, the, the combination of three of those sets, right? Like, just the sheer giant accumulation of brokenness allowed those decks to go over the top and just destroy everything. But there also was just this sheer mass of individually broken cards. And this set is not about, let's do the combo thing. The same way, right? The end of the combo is, here's my seven sucks. Right? The combos <laughs> are not true combo combo. Right. But the sheer amount of grindy, like, here's way too much power and toughness. Here's way too many, too much card advantage for way too little cost is just everywhere. In this. I, I wrote a spreadsheet uh, just to get ready. <laughs> and let me show it to Brian of just all the cards I want to make sure we mention. That's that's a lot of cards. Yes. Notice this is the eighth. So this is the the seventh row, and all five colors and gold all have an entry. <laughs> um, so this is roughly fifty five cards, and, and the set is not done yet. Um, and I'm happy to talk about a lot more cards than that. These are just cards that I felt like were standard impactful enough that we would be remiss if we didn't talk about them. Jeez. Okay. So what, what, what do you think is going on? So like, I think at first blush, when you hear about this set and you hear it's going to be, you know, top down set, it's going to, you know, lean heavily into Grimm's fairy tales. You know, it's going to, it is certainly going to ruffle the feathers of some spiky veteran magic players, perhaps like yourself. I don't know. We haven't actually talked about that, but I think you don't expect a super crazy powerful set to go with that. I didn't expect one, but I didn't not expect one. I didn't, I, just because you're making a bunch of fairy tales doesn't mean your cards can't be badass. I mean, the, pre, the preview movie should have told us that, right? Like, <laughs> these fairy tales fight back. The gingerbread man has, what was that, a halibut? Like, in, in the picture? Yeah. And by the way, like, is it just me or like, in the, in the video, it seems like she falls into the soup, right? And it seems like she's dead. And then he gets eaten, and then suddenly she shows up with a weapon. Right. And, and, and my wife had the same reaction, which is like, how'd she get out of that? So the theory I've seen yeah. is that she sparked, and she's a planeswalker now. Ah. <laughs> if there was a card that did that, I have mad respect. <laughs> yeah, the gingerbread lady? Yeah. just like, <laughs> eat this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So um, I know if we're going to talk about these cards and you're going to talk about a set based on fairy tales, you have to start where they all start, which is Once Upon a Time. Because this is a card that you have been very excited about. I've been excited about it. I'm mad about the name. <laughs> um, 
I'm I don't understand. Like I am deeply, deeply confused by this car because you know everyone is talking about. Well, do you want to play a fourth copy? You know, what if you draw two of them? What if you draw it and it's not turn one? So. Before we think about the card as it actually exists, I want to do a thought experiment, which is remove that first line from the card entirely, right? Don't think about this as it's a ley line. People are talking about it like a ley line, right? Well, if you draw it in your opening hand, it's amazing. If you draw it later, it's terrible. Or like, it's like, maybe I can deal with it. I registered Anticipate at a pro tour with cards that are legal, like yes, for Guilds yes. of Ravnica. So like right. one year ago, right. I registered three copies of Anticipate. Because the way that I was building the Drake deck, that was the right card for that slot sure. to make sure my deck worked. To make sure I could choose, do I want to spell? Do I want to land? Can I build up for my Drakes? Like, it was great, right? Like, was I sure I wanted a third copy in there? No, but I'm very confident the first two were correct. Right, just to, just to give people who somehow might not know what this card is, right? One G for an instant. If this spell is the first spell you've cast this game, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. And then it's, look at the top five cards of your own library, and you can reveal all a creature or land and put it in your hand and put the rest on the bottom. Right, so the ability as an instant, no, no mind, right? And there's a Bant Flash deck, for real, in this format. Look at the top five cards. Pick, pick a creature or a land. So in many decks, most of your cards, right, that aren't other once upon a times, reveal it, put it in your hand. So if you want a land, you get a land. If you want a spell, you get a spell. Now, if this didn't have the first line, and you needed to spend a 1G to do it, you needed green mana first, and you needed to spend your second turn doing it, I'd say this was solid. This was a fringy standard card already, and I would certainly consider playing it in decks that didn't need to hit their curve, particularly and wanted to move out and happen to have access to green. Seemed like a fine thing to do. You tell me this card is free when it matters? So, like, I look at my opening seven, and I see once upon a time, I don't have a forest. No problem. I can find one. <laughs> I don't have any spells. No problem. I'll find that instead. You look at five cards. So I get the London Mulligan. I get Once Upon a Time. I just always have what I want. Yeah, and I, I think uh, Frank Karsten ran the math on the card on turn one in a normal constructed deck. Like, he just sort of set up, you know, an aggregate yep. <laughs> amount of spells and creatures and lands. And he's like, basically, if you're looking for a land, you're 93%. If you're looking for a creature, you're 93%. And if you're just don't want to whiff, it's like, 90. I think, less than 1%. To... I think he said 99.9 .9 was realistic in many sects to not whiff at all. To just to not right. whiff, right? To get right. anything, because you have 40-something cards, right? It's very, very hard to find five that aren't that when one of their one-point right. times is already on the step, you know, being resolved. But, and then there's like, so I had a Biomancer deck that I wrote about that already played Sphinx of Revelation. So what if I have the London Mulligan and I have Sphinxes <laughs> and I have What's a Fun I forgot about that card. So I can Sphinx to look at three and then find a Once Upon a Time or whatever I want. If the card I want is on top of my deck, I can pick it up immediately. It's the Once Upon a Time. I can wait till turn two to play the Once Upon a Time if I want to draw it first. I have all the different options in the world. Right. Also, you, you talked about, like, the ley line comparison. You also don't need to play this card on... T you can just wait, right? There are, there, you can wait till turn two and still get it for nothing. Right. There will be games where it's like, no, I don't want to play this. I actually want to cast something else first. I'll pay two for it later. Right. That's fine. I might want... I don't know what I want yet. So let's just wait. There's right. no rush. 
But there's also situations where, like, you have two of them in your hand, end of turn two, end of your opponent's turn two, you pay, play one for free, pay for the other one, you know, and that's... It seems like a great turn. Drawing two is fine. Yeah. Like, it's not ideal because you your format's going to be really tight and aggressive, almost certainly, and you're going to have to run back the races. Like, you don't get a line or You only get the, you know, the goose for turn one. So turn two is a lot of it's going to be about, I need to be doing something active a lot of the time, but this is really solid. Where, where do you see this card in the modern format? Because that's... So I was, this is a scary I was saying, word. Free. I, I was saying this morning I see it banned. <laughs> like, not right away, but, like, when I compare this card to Ancient Stirrings, Ancient Stirrings requires you to find green. To be, just to be clear, yeah. Zia is saying that Ancient Stirrings is a fair card compared to Once Upon a Time. I'm saying Ancient Stirrings is on the edge of needs to go. I think we all agree that it's on the edge of needs to go, right? Maybe some of us think it needs to go or needed to go. Some of us think it doesn't quite need to go. Yeah. Ancient Stirrings requires you to be base green of your mana base and requires you to play a ton of colorless cards, which wants you to play colorless lands that don't produce green. And then you have to find green on turn one to be able to use Ancient Stirrings. So it's actually pretty heavy requirements. Turns out that Urzatron is a perfect fit anyway, needs to be playing Sylvan Scrying as well, you know, doesn't mind needing to have access to green, so you might as well do this thing. But it still costs you a mana, which, and in modern, every mana counts. Right. Right, and everything needs to happen right away. And it, it's tough to, to find them, to pack that many colorless cards into most strategies. One of the of time just goes straight into human decks, for example. Right. Right, just, it finds 57. I just going to say, what is it? 56 next? cards. It misses, it misses. It misses Aether Vile. And itself. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. <laughs> And, 54 cards. And it can't be cast off your Ancient Ziggurat, so, like, there sure. can be issues casting it later, but I don't care. So what if it's sometimes dead in my hand later because my mana didn't quite work out? It's, if that's true, then I didn't drop very many lands, I'm probably not emptying my hand anyway. It doesn't make a difference. Right. And, and just the sheer value of having the cards that you want when you want them, filling up your, you know, solving your mulligans, moving your mana bases, these things are huge. I think the, the hidden question for a format like Modern... Or if like standard is, how many green sources do you need in your deck to play once upon a time? Okay. And I think the answer to need might be zero. That seems crazy. I mean, I understand that its true leyline status would be very aggressive. But I think this is a very big payoff for some decks. I think you wouldn't do zero, because obviously it's very easy to have, like, your fetch lands get one land in modern. It's very easy in standard to play, like, a couple temples from off of one of your colors or, you know, some various lands from the Ravnica block in order to get to this. But if you have, like, eight green sources, I think you're completely fine. Right. Like, green can be a splash. Like, you can't splash, right, Adventurer's Impulse, which is a card that I love playing, which is you spend a mana, you look at three cards, and you get this effect as a sorcery, and I get to look at five as an instant for an average of less than a mana. And I can get the green off of it instead of needing to have the green to play it. Right. So, it's ridiculous. In a world where... One of those creatures you can find is also a counter spell, or also a good a good note is that yeah. yes, one of them is a counter spell. <laughs> I mean, that's actually one of my least favorite things to find with these things because, like, I played so many games where I adventures in both turn one were filled mystic, and now we spend the entire game he, the opponent knows I have filled mystic. Right. Night, night, I mean, ambushers in your deck help you with that problem a lot because now you're forking them, right? Like, right. if you don't play a card, I am going to crush you. If you do play a card, I am going to make you sad. Right. But yeah. I, one of the things I, I, I think about with this card, and I, I don't even know if it's anything, but 
is I think about this as a free spell for a storm deck. But I guess the, the problem is you usually want to preordain on those early turns. But if you could hold like for a turn, like you're like, okay, now I need my land drop. It's hit my land. It's but... really hard not to want to Serum Visions or yeah, whatever yeah. is currently legal. Yeah. They keep banning those cards for some reason. <laughs> I don't understand why. But whatever the current best few are, it'll have to be sleight of hand or something. And and then you I, I know, but I'm just kidding around. Yeah. And then you but it's also fine on you, turn one to just hit your lands in that oh, deck. Oh, no, no, no. That's I'm not, a deck that never wants to miss a land drop. I am not saying you don't do this. Yeah. Right? I'm not saying you don't, like, have some grudges in your board and once upon a time in your main and, like, oh, look, I have eight fetch lands in my deck and one green land and I play four once upon a time and I just find the land that I want and put this in my yard for future reference so that I can, like, cast the second one later and fuel my Pyromancer's Asc- Pyromancer Ascension or, you know, I... I don't think it's good enough with no creatures except Electromancer, but, you know, if I had a little bit more action, but, like, the fact that we're even thinking about it is nuts. Yeah. You know, and just, it, basically, I, I, I have a hard time believing you're playing a modern deck with a bunch of creatures in it, and you don't want this card, right? Like, you're playing Burn, let's say, in my Bant, Bant Spirits. Right, but let, let's talk about decks that, like, nobody's even thinking about this card in right oh, now. Okay. In the public. Let's talk about Burn, right? Like, well... I want to make sure I have a one-drop creature on turn one, or I find my idol on, right? Right. And I don't care about land four at all. Certainly, my bag is a blank card. Right. So why don't I put four of these in my deck, where three lands and one spell used to be, and I have my green source that I was already playing for my ancient grudge slash, you know, devastating revel- revelry or whatever it was anyway, or like didn't mind playing, and let's just do this thing, right? Like, it also obviously incentivizes you, but maybe you, you want to play your 3 threes on turn one that you can find with this thing, because now they're more likely to show up. Sure. But, you know, yeah, I hide in a coddle, right? Like, it, it's, you know, but... Yeah. I, I don't understand how this deck, this card isn't everywhere. And do you really want to hear Once Upon a Time more than once around? <laughs> like, do you want to hear it constantly... For the rest of your magic career. <laughs> for the next five years. For the next however many years until they pull the plug. What's your, so so you, 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 said, you said you think this is a card that could be banned. How, how long do you think? What's, what's the life cycle of this card? I think they'll probably wait till it's out of standard unless something really bad happens. Sure. But between this and the London Mulligan, just the sheer consistency that this card is giving various strategies. I mean, it seems like we didn't even talk about it, but like the Neoform deck obviously loves this card. Yeah. Right? Like, just free redundancy to find, you know, the pieces you need to assemble that other other than... A significant portion of its things are just found, yeah. yeah. I, I, didn't, I, mean, I, I just thought that kind of thing was a given, right? Like, yeah. you're playing like Gorgeous Vengeance, and you're just like, yeah, let's just find the piece, right? <laughs> like, of course it goes in, right? right? Like, and again, you have one green source of a bunch of fetch lands in case the game goes to turn two. Like, you know... I mean, I don't know why it would, because like, the game should be over now, right? Like, but in case you want to spend two men on this later, something weird happened. You could do that. And I wouldn't be shocked if it's just like, okay, this is just ubiquitous. This is stupid. This has to go. And yeah, if I'm Wizards, I'm trying to hold on until it's rotating. But that might not be wise. Like, it's just... Yeah, free spells are really dangerous. Free selection at the beginning of the game is really dangerous. The one in Mulligan shouldn't be allowed in Modern. And that's a whole other episode. We're not. <laughs> that's why. But I'm so confident I'm just stating it outright. Like, yeah. just, no. I mean, I understand the desire for consistency, but like, you know, 
There's a lot of cars under that bus, and they seem pretty valuable, so please don't run them over and bend them. I'm just... It would be, nice. be bad if that happened. That's all I'm trying to say. So what are some of the other cards that have stood out to you as, you, as you've looked out, looked at the set? Yeah, What's so... What's you want to talk about? So, I mean, we can go depth by depth. So, uh, Mantris Gargoyle is another card that I haven't seen mentioned yet. Um... So here it is, because, oh, sorry, it's 5-4, not 4-5. I was, I, I misremembered, but, you know, my points all stand, don't get me wrong. So here it is, it's a, unless I'm reading this wrong, it's 1-U, flying, can't attack unless defending player has 7 or more cards in their graveyard, can't block unless you have 4 or more cards in your hand, uh, tap to mill each player, but it's 5-4 flying. Four, <laughs> right, I had guessed 4-5 earlier. So I thought you were right, but it turns out it's 5-4. It's slightly better than that. Slightly better. I mean, Lava Coil works on it, so maybe it's slightly worse. Right, But right. the fact that you can just put out a 5-4, right? Now it blocks the 5-5 five, five out of green that right. are coming out. Like, doing 5 damage is a big deal. Having 5 toughness is also a big deal. Like, it can go both ways in this format. But this, hits and, this kills in 4 hits. That's a pretty big deal as well. I, I, I hadn't seen this card before this morning, and... Z and I were talking about doing this, and he's like, okay, so let me give you the stats on this card. And let me, everything but the power toughness that you have to guess. And I was like, okay, so I think it would be, you know, reasonable to be a 3-3. Three, three. So that means it's probably a 4-4, four, four, but that's probably not push enough. So there's one more point added on it, and I guess the 4-5. Um, but 5-4, it's, it's pretty much in the ballpark. Yeah, you, you can just... Put this out there on turn two, and now they just have to kill a two drop, but suddenly a five four, or else really bad things happen right, to you. you. You play it on turn two, can't block unless you have four more cards in hand. You, you do. something weird has gone on, you yeah. will. And if it's the late game, it mills a card a turn, it's going to fill up their graveyard reasonably fast, even if it can't block in the meantime. It's always, it costs two, unless you double cast very easily. Like, if this is assuming you're not taking advantage of the fact that milling cards into your, your yard might be just good for you. Right. Right. There's jumpstart cards still in standard. There's there's one that clones this, for example. Right. Maybe on turn three. <laughs> so now I have two five four flyers in a four card hand, and the next turn I have three five four flyers, all of which mill a card from into your graveyard every turn. And once there are seven, I can just smack you for fifteen. That's yeah. the thing that's going to happen. And then there's the thing that has already been done to me on on arena, which is where you you copy Risen Reef. So like, which doesn't. Mm-hmm. Which also doesn't exhaust your hand at all, so that card has no trouble blocking in the meantime. And so there's a lot of a lot of cool stuff there. Like this is just I mean, I'm looking at a spoiler that's currently organized a different way than I was looking at it. But let's uh let's sort the spoiler by uh set number so that I can just, you know, organize it in a way that I know what to find. But um So where do you see it? You see you you think Vantress Gargoyle is a card that has a home in standard. Yes, I, I think it, it's hard for me to understand, like, I mean, look, if you're playing an aggro deck and this guy just has a 5-4 flyer in your face on turn two, you know, you either spend a hard removal spell on a two-drop or you're getting two-for-one, or right. worse. Right. Or you're just totally stonewalled all of a sudden on turn two. And, and it has evasion in the long game. Like, this is a crazy good car. Right. This is a crazy good car. We're losing dive down, right? That's going to rotate. Yes, we are losing Dive Down. You can't just save this card that way. <laughs> but the fact that we're talking about diving down a two-drop because can is not a great sign. Um, I mean, these are sort of the, the starting points, right, of, of the conversation. But the set is so incredibly deep. There is just so much stuff here 
that you know you can do. I mean, so like here's here's Reed Duke's preview card, uh, Charming Prince, which to me just is emblematic of like what the set's about, right? It's not one of the best cards. It's not one of the marquee like this card's ridiculous cards. It's just quietly a two drop two two that can choose scry two gain three life or flicker one of your guys. Okay, Human Noble, which by the way might be relevant. In modern? I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't think it makes the cut in modern. Oh. But. I mean, it's. It flickers into being the next end step, so you can't. Oh, play. okay. It doesn't. It's not, it's not immediate. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think it gets there in modern. Probably not. Yeah. But in standard, we're talking about. You know, <coughs> there's some pretty good come into play effects in various places that you can, that you can recurse with this. Your choice of Scry 2 or Game 3 is pretty sweet. You know, and again, this is like. One of the worst cards on that list, in my mind. <laughs> you know, where where do, where does this card? You know, if there's is there a shell of something that exists currently that you can see this in, or I mean, you're putting it in like a white deck that plays a lot of cheap creatures, ideally, where some of them have strong come into play effects. Um, I hear there are cards like Elite Guild Mage or like Basilica Bell Haunt that see a lot of play. Right, that seem like logical places to start with. Um, yeah, there's a wide variety. Yeah, again, like I would, I would scour the come to play effects to see what's going on. Sure. But like the Cavaliers all came to play, right? Right. Um, yeah, right, which stuff. is also where you start looking. Right, like you always those those are cards that have not made a big standard impact necessarily. Yeah, moderate, like the green one in particular. Yeah, right? but like you know, you know, you start to say, oh, okay, now now that we have a lot of room to play with in standard. Yeah, are those cards going to suddenly yeah. show up? Yeah, the downside first? here is it's not a knight. It's a no. It's a human noble. Right. Which is not what we're looking for right now, right? The knight deck is clearly being suggested strongly. Right. Yeah, so now, now I'm going through, like, starting at the top, right? But it's, like, skipping over the cards that I don't think are, are worth talking about. Like, a card with a circle of loyalty in most sets, I'd be like, let's stop and talk about this. This is really interesting. And this set, I'm just like, you know what? That's fine. So the circle of loyalty, 4WW for a legendary artifact. It's a mythic. This spell costs one less to cast for each knight you control. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Whenever you cast a legendary spell, create a 2-2 white knight creature token with vigilance. Or just pay three white to tap. Wow. And it's a a lot. And getting, you know, three knights into play on turn two is a thing. Getting them onto play on turn three is definitely a thing. So playing this on turn four is pretty practical. And yeah, it gives all your creatures plus one, plus one, and now some of your cards generate extra knights, and those knights are three threes because this card's in play, and extra copies at least generate an extra three three, and you can just start creating three threes on the stick. And I sort of glossed over it because I was too busy, <laughs> which is like, you know, just didn't quite make the cut. I'm too busy with cards like Giant Killer, which is, you know, the next card I would definitely pop at. Because Giant Killer seems to be white. Right. One white tap, tap target creature, one, two, human peasant. Right. Seems pretty solid, right? We played this card, and then, like, it couldn't hit certain creatures, and it, like, played in good, solid cards. But actually, you can also go on an adventure with this first, yeah. if you want to, and it's reprisal. Yeah, chop down, 2W. Yeah, it's a little extra, but... 2W for an instant, destroy target creature with power 4 or greater... Then you exile the card, and you may cast the creature later from exile. So you have a one-drop creature that stops two large men. Right. Two large creatures are stopped in their tracks. 
Just so, straight up. So, so something I talked a little bit with Mike about on a previous podcast is these adventure cards, like if you have, you know, a crystal shard or a portal of sanctuary or some card like that that recursively lets you bounce a creature or chew lane, <laughs> um, you, can, you can treat these cards like buyback cards in certain situations where you play the spell, play the creature, bounce the creature, and now you have the spell. And this is one of the most obviously attractive places to do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For five mana, like with a Portal of Sanctuary, which is a card in standard. I don't know if you want to play it. But for five mana, you could just kill every Urnum Jin you're opponent throughout. This is a one-drop I'm excited to play. Right. That if it's my only one-drop in my hand, I'm not sure I play it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm still excited to play it. Right. Because... It's fine if I never go on the adventure. And then I start boarding this card out because there's nothing to tap and there's nothing to kill right. in your deck. And if there is, holy moly. Yeah. Right? It just, you know, again, like this, this boggles my mind. You can just attach a reprisal to a fringy standard card. Right? Yeah. I slight, to an otherwise slightly upgraded version of a card that saw playing standard a year ago in decks that were like at least flirting with the top made of Pro Tours. Right. By the way, this is also front runner for one of my favorite pieces of art in the set. I mean, that, that's beautiful. Far. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of competition, though. Like, this set is gorgeous. Yeah. My hat is off. The art department. Yeah. The, the, the creative department. Uh, yeah. These guys are, are doing a video job. Like, Glass Casket is a solid card that we all, like, we've seen a million times, so we're not even going to mention it. Yeah. Does the job. Harmonious Archon. Um, <laughs> so I got a 4 5 flyer for six, which is not a great deal. Right. So 4 WW, 4 5 right. flying, yeah. Non Archon creatures have base power and toughness 3 3. So, you know, Odo on a stick. Right. <laughs> and by the way, when it enters the battlefield, get two one white human creature tokens. That's something to reset with our Prince Charming. Right. right? And, and by the way, those two one one white human creature tokens are actually 3 3s. They're actually 3 3s. Yeah. Right. So they block anything. Right. They, you know, they, they trade of anything that came up. So you're getting 10 power. On the spot. Right. For your six mana, which is a really good deal. And three creatures that they have to kill separately. And again, like, I don't really expect this to be a thing, just because we have so many better things to do, but you could do so much worse. Right. Than just, we're going to power out stuff like this. You know, I... I mean, cards like Cloud Goat Ranger have found a home in, in standards past. Yeah, I mean, that costs five, which I is did. different from six. But the four or five flyer is a big. This is a lot better than Cloudguard Ranger in terms of just like how effective it is. Right. So again, these are the secondary things. I'm glad to see Righteousness back. I'm just gonna. I don't <laughs> mention that. Like, I don't think it's a thing. I just nice. Right. Um, Righteousness was one of those cards when I first started playing Magic. You you know, it, I had Righteousness. Like, oh, this is gonna be awesome. It was never awesome. Oh, but you, you're wrong. But you always wanted it to be. It awesome. was though. Yeah. It was. Like, I mean, I didn't know any better, but it was yeah. awesome. Right? I, this is important to note that, like, it kind of wasn't. So now we have Trapped, trapped in the Tower. Yep. So it used to be that when you pacified something, the, 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 the special escape clause was activated abilities. So this is 1W, Enchant Creature, without flying. Enchanted Creature can't attack or block. And its activated abilities can't be activated. Right. So this and is Faith's Fetters-ish, but for half the cost. This is pacifism, but you can't do flyers. Right. So you're going to miss certain entire decks. Right. Right? It's going to be bad. But and it's interesting, right? Like, because this is clearly a decision that had to do with flavor and not necessarily game balancing, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't mind it at all. Yeah, it's no, just no, a matter I don't of, mind it yeah. either. I'm not complaining. Yeah. I just think it's really interesting when you can sort of see a little bit of behind the scenes of, 
you know what what they're what they're angling for, and it's like, well, why wouldn't it? You know, okay, cool. Yeah, I get it. Um, yeah. You know, it's I wouldn't be shocked if this is a sideboard card that has legs. Like, just there's places where it's exactly what you want to do, right? Yeah, yeah. I've I've played pacifism in a sideboard of a. I, I lost a Pro Tour by not doing so. <laughs> uh, in Venice, as far as I'm concerned. Like, I looked at Asip Steklis when he won Venice, and I was like, yeah, he had pacifism, I didn't. He deserves to win. He, did, he was one step ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I had everything else. Where did, where did you finish in Venice? Top 16. Yeah. Yeah. And you, I, you were also playing slide. Yes. Yeah. I had, I had the mirror mash down cold. So I, I knew what I was doing. I didn't understand the red decks were as big as they were. I never found pacifism. My matchup was only good instead of great, and that's just not quite good enough at a Pro Tour. That's all that was. I missed one card. So how it used to be in, you played full demonstrate constructed, you played a tight format, the person who made one mistake got top 16, the person who did it all right won. <laughs> that's how it is, that's how it was, how it's supposed to be, hats off, well earned. Did Huey have the passivism too? No, he had uh, a different color in his deck. Okay. Yeah, he was playing in a chroma, I think white green deck, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, he's, I, I assume he had it given he was playing a two set of green covers about removal. Right. So, like, he would have had to. Right. It's hard to miss in that deck. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I never actually played against that deck at any point, so I didn't run into it. I think I may have, but yeah. anyway. Um, we have two, two important knights, right? We have Venerable Knight and Worthy Knight. Yeah. Which makes me wonder, you know, are the other knights unworthy? <laughs> uh, I mean, by, by proxy, yeah. And are the other knights not venerable? Right? Like, what are we saying? So, like, Venerable Knight is 2-1 for W. When it dies, put a plus one plus counter on target knight you control. This is just Savannah Lions with an upside. Yeah, a pretty sweet way to get some more Savannah Lions in your deck. Like, definitely we've seen better Savannah We've seen better one-drops in white. Sure. And, you know, it's the second best one-drop in the set for white, I would think. Given you think can... the first is the tapper? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in a, in a night deck, you play this first because yeah. you need your knights. Yeah. Um, but like, you really want to get your knights out. Like, you probably want to try and put your anthem out as quickly as possible. You have Worthy Knight, which is whenever you cast a knight spell, create a 1-1 white human creature token. So this is a young pyromancer for creatures, yes. essentially. I'm mean, assuming you're playing knights. It doesn't create knights. Right. Which is interesting, because if it did create knights, it would be a very, very easy way to make sure they're all two-twos <laughs> very quickly. They probably still are all two-twos reasonably soon, but yeah. not right away. But yeah, it's a, uh, I think it's more of a hero pushing one. Yeah. Like, it's more about like, my creature comes with another creature, yeah. you know, like that kind of thing. You know, this is the core of the knight, the, the knight I got the only good dual land in the set deck. Right. <laughs> well, other than the one for Commander. Yeah. <laughs> um, a Venerable Knight Uncommon, Worthy Knight of Rare. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that's a good comparison, obviously, yeah. is here a Precinct 1. Yeah, which is a very, very amazing card. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've, we've seen it dominate at various times throughout its tenure. I don't think it's going to stop doing that. Yeah. Um, so Emery, Looker of the Watch, uh, this is an important card. Yeah, can, we, can, we, can we stop for a second, yeah. though, and yeah. just acknowledge... Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm getting ahead of us in the... I just want to acknowledge name when I clicked on the blue cards. Yeah. Tome Raider. I, I refuse to acknowledge that, actually. Is that better? Sure. I, I think we both have the same... <laughs> both have the same grown dust. That's all I'm saying, right? Yeah, I'm explicitly yeah. refusing to acknowledge this. Um, so Emery, Wicker of the Lock, one less cost for every artifact you control, so instead of costing two, you would actually cost you, everybody. Um, when enter the battlefield, put the top four cards of your library into your graveyard, tap, choose target artifact card in your graveyard, you may cast that card this turn. 
that this card seems like trouble waiting to happen to me. This sets off all my alarm bells. Well, are you, did you play Urza or Affinity in <laughs> Modern? If so, you should add this card to your pack. Right. Um, Sam Black wrote an article about this on Star City. Okay. So I don't need to begrudge, but yes, this card is very, very good. This card is nothing but trouble. <laughs> yeah. But it probably doesn't have a standard home. Fair. Uh, the artifacts are just weak. Sure. Like, there's a lot of references to artifacts in this set, like cards that want to make artifacts happen, but not the artifacts. Right. right? This is where, like, if this set was printed after Urza Saga, right. like Urza's Legacy was. Let's put it this way. If this card was in Modern Horizons, you wouldn't bat an eye. Not, not saying you wouldn't bat an eye in a bad way, but it would, it would not seem out of place. It would seem like one of the better in, cards in Modern Horizons. <laughs> I think would be a good way of putting yeah. it, right? But yeah, it's clearly... Uh, so Magic 2020 had a lot of this, too, where there were cards in Magic 2020, which were clearly like, well, we printed Modern Horizons, but we had some cards in it that we thought we could print in Standard, so we moved them to Magic 2020. But this is obviously a card from Modern Horizons. Right. And, and, and Emery yeah. is like one of the last stragglers behind so far. Yeah, it's like we weren't sure we wanted to print this one, so we held it back for Forever Point Tactics. Like, Let's print Urza first and see what happens. <laughs> Let's not rush into anything. We need some more time, right? It's... Okay, fine. I mean, how many weird legends can you actually play and still have all your artifacts? It'll be fine. <laughs> we already printed the weird goblin thing. We printed the Urza. The sky didn't fall. Yeah, the same guy keeps stop eating and the spread keeps stop eating all the events too. But it'll be fine, right? Nothing bad's gonna happen. <laughs> I, I also like the extra dagger in here, which is making it a merfolk. And they're like, see? See, we printed a good modern merfolk. See? <laughs> <laughs> just like a dagger to all the merfolk players. I also like the little reminder text because like here we didn't have enough lines of text. You need to add two lines of text at the bottom for you still pay its costs. Timing rules still apply. <laughs> <laughs> Void in Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> this is new flavor text. <laughs> Uh, if you're allergic to Emery Lurker of the Lodge, stop taking it immediately and go see a doctor. Yeah. Well, wait four hours to be yeah. sure. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, wow. I do want to, it wasn't on my list, but I want to mention Perry Vandal as a sleeper. Yeah, this is a card, uh, if you played in the Brawl event yeah. uh, that was going on on Arena, this is one of the cards that uh, you were able to play with there, and it was surprisingly good for me every time I played it. Flash, one, two, flyer. Uh, then whenever you draw your second card each turn, you put a plus one, plus one counter on Fairy Vandal. This card, with modern card drawing... It helped you, it helped you had a commander in that deck that well, drew you an extra card every was, time you did it anything. Was, it was especially good with Tulane. Yes. But the fact that, like, whenever you opt on your turn, this just gets bigger. Right? Yeah. And then, like, the question is, do you have enough incidental ways to draw a card that makes sense to play now? Like, like one of the cards that's most important in this set is opt. Sure. Right? Like, I was so strangled when trying to build decks for Magic 2020 on Arena because I couldn't play Opt. And then I saw Opt was in the set. I'm like, oh, okay. They're not letting me play it right now. It'd be really nice if you could just make the old Opt legal. Guys, guys, <laughs> you know, can I play my Drake deck again? Because I can't really play it right now without Opt. Right? Like, it doesn't really work. You need your Opts and your Shocks, right? So you have, yeah. like, things to do on turn one, your graveyard started. It's like, eh. Yeah, this this card gets out of hand and out of reach of a lot of removal very quickly. Yeah, and again, I get the two mana flash. So like, if nothing, if it doesn't work out, you didn't lose anything. Right. 
Now, you don't get to just put the curiosity on this, unfortunately, anymore. But, <laughs> which would be kind of sweet. <laughs> Turn three, boom. Right? Like, can you imagine this card, like, in current standard? Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. But, but you, do, you do get, you also have cards like Spectral Sailor in standard that, you know. Oh, absolutely. That, that would play very, very well with us. Yeah, I mean, you don't really want to tap four on your turn just to grow this guy. Like, it's going to be a weird conflict if you have both of those cards in your deck a lot. But yeah, no, if you can get there, like, you just sort of, I don't think this is going to find a brilliant home. You tell, you're telling me I can't at the end of your turn. Tap eight mana? Tap four mana and then opt? You could if you have the yeah. opt, but the opt was already drawing you a card, yeah, so yeah. it's fine. Yeah. I mean, you could also just cast Chemistry's Inside at the end of their turn. Sure. And put a yes. counter on this, and then cast Chemistry's Inside at the end of the next turn and draw two yeah, cards yeah, again. Yeah. Except that you can't because they have to ferry out because every deck plays to ferry. <laughs> so maybe you have to do it on your own turn, which is unfortunate, but that's fine. Right. Um, so, Frogify, we've got the spec in two mana. Good to know. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Gadwick. Gadwick the Wizened or Wizened. Which way do you say it? Uh, I hadn't pronounced, tried to pronounce it yet, so I don't know. Judge! Flavor Judge! Yeah. This set is a Flavor Judge, right? Yeah, like, oh yeah. I usually say Wizened, but I, I suspect it. Yeah, I guess Wizened. Uh, X, th- blue, blue, blue. Legendary creature, human wizard, 3-3. Three, three. Um, so if you pay zero for X, it's a 3-3 three, three for 3 human right. wizard. It's a bad deal. Bad but deal. it's fine. Often. When Gadwick the Wizened enters the battlefield, draw X cards. And then whenever you cast a blue spell, tap target, non-land permanent, and opponent controls. Right, so it's Brain Geyser, but the first card is a legendary 3-3 three, three, that whenever you cast a blue spell, taps a permanent. <laughs> I mean, why would my deck that features a creature that costs you, you, you have other blue cards in it? I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I keep, you keep saying these things in this, yeah. in this podcast. I don't understand where they come from. Yeah. But, yes, this seems like... A very strong card, right? Like, well, I'd be happy to play this card on turn three. Sometimes, absolutely. Because now I get to tap things for the rest of the game. Right. Other times, you know, late game, this turns into a draw five or whatever you want it to be. So it's a very, very, to me, very, very easy way to, you know, seed your deck full of card advantage. You know, yeah. you play these in some... Obviously, you don't get the life know. game, but how does this card stack up? Have you done the sort of, like, rough math about how this compares to, let's say, Hydroid Crisis? In terms of so card advantage. This is where we go to the meme of why not both, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was actually thinking to myself, like, if I put this and Hydro Crisis into my deck, you know, do I just never run out of cards anymore? Right? If I, can I just put, like, 35 mana sources in my deck, or 40, right. and just play nothing but ramp, and, like, right. you know, those in four mass manipulations, and just, like, four nisses, and, like, just never run out of cards ever, and rather 44 cards or something are, are just mana. By, by the way, at five mana, this is just Mold Drifter, right? Like... Yeah, but this just seems like an insane card for Scape Shift, right? Like, yeah. Completely insane. Because, like, even though you never cast a blue spell that taps anything relevant, it just does exactly what you want it to do. You've already invested in quadruple blue. <laughs> so, or at least you could, right, if you wanted to. Like, this kind of ramp, ultra ramp, like, this thing. I mean, yeah, I love it. It's, it's, it's extremely powerful. And I'm very glad that we got rid of Tempest Gen, right, and Friends <laughs> in time. But, right. you know, there's a lot of like if this set went into the old standard oh my god what would have happened right like yeah you know, it's just like it doesn't so it's on purpose that's fair so but the question is we have this thing which is into the story has another um i'm skipping one card we'll come back to but like into okay. the story has the same text of opponent has seven or more cards in their graveyard right so what's going on there 
right? Because like I didn't see any mill in the set. Right, I'm not sure. So what is up with that? There's always mill. So I'm not, I'm not saying there isn't. I mean, there's the 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 five four that mill is the number right. one, but right. I didn't see like much explicit mill. Like, why are we putting this reverse threshold? Yeah, this like if you're if the game has gone long enough that your opponent managed to get seven cards from their graveyard, you could just like fire off a draw four for you know four mana and not cost seven for your opportunity is you know probably a mediocre deal but you know i think i just i mean it seems worse than canvasers inside by a lot but it's definitely a uh interesting proposition if you have actual ways to give them a graveyard somehow but you know it's not that impactful comparatively because like you can kind of draw four anyway in a lot of ways yeah but it's just like a weird mechanic to see on multiple cards with no explanation. I'm not sure they're testing it out for future. But. Yeah, or yeah, I mean, sometimes sometimes you'll seed stuff that might, you know, yeah, maybe the mill set's coming next the, time. Yeah, coming in the next set, and you know, cards get better in, in the light of new. Yeah, cards. I, I don't think the Mur mill cards do it for us. Yeah. I just don't think they're there. Hypnotic um, Sprite, another card that like seems like it's designed for the old mono blue deck. Right. So UU mm-hmm. for a two one flyer. But you can also go on an adventure first, which is to you for an instant, which counter target spell with converted mana costs three or less. Yeah. You know, and this is a card that's clearly, you know, you know, you, you choose your battles with this to some extent, right? Right. Because you kind of want to play it first as a creature, you know, in the situations where it's going to matter. If you don't have anything else to do on turn two. Yeah. You want to play this. But if you can sit on your crunch, right, or you can just play your mana creature. You can sit on this. Right. The problem being is a two one flyer really what the kind of deck wants right. later on. I think it's gonna be really hard to find the person you want to have had this enough. Right, that's that's great, yeah. That's that's kind of what I was just trying to figure out. Yeah, the, the counter target spell of converted mana cost for OS is a really awkward thing to be sitting on, right? Because you really want a lot of other counter spells. You want to be sitting on this and a sudden a, a sinister sabotage. Right. And then if they cast a the big thing, you cast a sinister sabotage, because a small thing, you cast this. If you're sitting on just this, the chance that your hand, or you're sitting on a frog mystic or something, if you just sit on this, your hand, you just you miss the turn. They cast a big spell, you do nothing. Right. You're so far behind. It's terrible. And now we have a pair of cards, one of which people are sitting on, and one of which people are not sitting on, as far as I can tell. The okay. magic mirror they are not sitting on. Okay. They know. They know. They know. I mean, Bra- I think Brad Nelson got this as a preview card. Okay. And he knows. He knows. I mean, how could he miss it? Right. Well, we, we've, we've spent a lot of time in standard putting instants and sorceries into our graveyard. Yes. And there's a lot of ways, you know, the set doesn't necessarily offer us as many interesting new ways to do it as you might like for this card. But, you know, this is one good way to like, pay off the 5-4, for example. Right. Like, if I just mill a card every turn, like, that's a pretty good thing. This will let the thing block pretty quickly <laughs> if I needed to. But it just, it's just, it's just end the game, right? Like, after a while, like, if I just get this down for, like, very cheap. It only costs nine. So, right. you know, even if this thing ends up costing six or seven, you know, right. it's well, not that in bad. A, in a control mirror, it's just insane, right? I mean, it's just absolutely bonkers. Yes. This is like, what was the card? It might deck you, though. Yeah, it, it, could, it could very well deck you. What was the card? It was, like, red, white, three for an enchantment, and then every turn... You put, like, a soldier token into play. I forget its name, but yeah. Right, which was just, like, this, you know, just this mirror breaker and these kind of, like, board stall decks. 
Back when that meant something. Yeah, yeah back yeah. when. This, this is like the cards in hand version of that. This card is crazy good for the particular position where, one, you can end the game when, after you play it <laughs> yeah. on time before you die. This is not a trivial thing to note, right? right? You have to make sure you actually win. Uh, two, you can get into play fast enough for it to matter. Right? These things matter, but, but I think people are like a little bit overrating how impactful this card is in the sense that like it's kind of overkill. Right? Like you don't need to win this much. Like you could probably be playing Gadwick in that slot and it's fine. <laughs> and you still just win. Right. But yeah, no, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see what people do with it. I think a lot of it is people see this like you have the maximum hand side, you're drawing a billion cards, they're, they're really excited, and it's just, it's a win more, more than people think. This um, is my sweet spot. You know what, actually, I, I, I think the better card if might you're, be... If you're min- winning less, you sometimes need win more. <laughs> I mean, I don't like winning less when I could be winning more. That just misses the point, right? Uh, so Midnight Clock is something that interests you? I think it might be the better, like... Way to do this. So to you for a rare artifact, tap to add blue. Yeah. A dangerous ability. To you, colon, put an hour counter on midnight clock. At the beginning of each upkeep, put an hour on midnight clock. Put an hour counter on midnight clock. When the twelfth hour counter is put on midnight clock, shuffle your hand in graveyard into your library, then draw seven cards, exile midnight clock. So if for some reason we were playing some deck that just wanted to play a billion mana sources. Yeah. This could be one of them. Yeah. Right? Or if we're just trying to, like, do a little bit of acceleration. Right. And then... And it's interesting that this can yeah. tap to um, pay for its own. Help pay for itself, absolutely. Yeah. But it's more, I think, of, like, you know what? Eventually this will fire. And if I flood, it'll fire not that eventually. Right? Like, right. you're probably going to put two counters on in a turn yourself when you're flooded. So it'll fire in four turns. On its own, maybe three, um, which is slow. But again, like a mana rock, even if it costs three, is often not a bad thing. Right. So, and you also you're not obligated. I mean, it sounds like a, a painfully obvious thing to say, maybe, but you're not obligated to pump all your mana into this as fast as possible. You still get to like you probably won't. You you get still get to take turns off and play things and draw cards and counter stuff and do whatever you're going to do uh, as you then dump your extra mana into it. Yeah, I mean, obviously in the world of Planeswalkers, you're like, well, I could be playing a Planeswalker here and getting a little card advantage every turn, but you're also, like, it's mana acceleration. Yeah. So, like, let's not forget that's also a thing. The fairy just makes me sad every time I start to get excited about a card. But go ahead, you know, balance my midnight clock. <laughs> Whatever. Sure. It's not that big a deal. I mean, it's annoying. Like, yeah, it, it, it reduces it. Maybe I'll Mystical Dispute you. I don't know. Like that's what I do with my mana when I played it on turn three, right? I just use that. I just tap this to Mystical Dispute. Counter right. your, your Teferi. Because, you know, counter target spell must control page three. Cost two less if you cast a target blue spell. Which means it costs you. Because it costs you, two you as a base. Right. So I can just gain say your thing, pretty much, for right. just one mana now. This does seem like a, you know, a great way to, like, counter this person's Teferi. Right? Yes. Like, among other similar yeah. things. So, or their Teferi, or yeah, oh, just a, just their Teferi, right? It's oh, just their Teferi now, right? In the new standard, there are no other cards. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Opt is back, like you said. I think that's deceptively important. There's a lot of things in the set that depend on it. 
Right. Like to make it work. And I'm just like, now that we've had a chance to play with it for two years, you know, pretty great. What, what do you think about Stolen by the Fae? This card seems pretty interesting to me. Yeah, Stolen by the Fae seems like a, a. I mean, we've played cards similar to it. Like, Repeal is the obvious, you know, bounce something with cost X. Um, but instead of drawing a card here, you get to make X. One one blue fairy creature tokens with flying. This seems like a, a really nice thing to do to a Teferi, for example. Yeah, it's not a it's target creature. Unfortunately. Oh, it's target creature. Damn yeah, it. sorry. I think given it's only creatures and yeah. you can't overpay, right? I am not excited. If you okay. could overpay, yeah. If it's a card creature of cost X or less to its right. owner's hand, or if they would just let us boomerang a goddamn land. I mean. <laughs> Target permanent with cost X. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, there's a lot of ways you could have pushed this to be good enough. I think this isn't good enough. Okay. I think that, unfortunately, we're not there. I think the same thing about, you know, Sir Eleonora, the next card. So Eleonora, the discerning three UU for a star four, and the star is a uh, number of cards in your hand. Yeah, it's the kind of card that, like, you notice it's uncommon, and you go, oh, right, it's not good enough. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, it looks like it's a legend, and it's doing this, it has, like, lots of lines of text, you think it's going to be good, and then you're like, no. Actually, no. Um, not going to happen. Sorry, we already talked about the Mantra's Gargoyle there. Maybe it's pretty nuts, yeah. Uh, Witching Well is an interesting card to me. I'm not sure what to make of it yet. My reaction so far is that every place in which I've wanted Witching Well is a place in which the fact that it's not an instant or sorcery is a problem. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, the, the, my, my good experience with Witching Well so far has been playing it in the Artifacts Matter Brawl deck. Right? Now, if you want Artifact, this is a very good like, way to play a one-drop Artifact that does thing. And I'm certainly very interested in you know, playing this from my graveyard. Right. right. If you could do that, I just don't think the rest of the cards are there for that strategy. But most of the time, you're doing things like, I want to play a Drake deck. I want to play, you know, a Arclight Phoenix. You yeah, know, I want to... It's certainly an engine to be thinking about, though. I want to hear my Wishing Well. But also, my, my, my Magic Mirror needs to have instant sorceries in my yard. Like, it's right. all, yeah. But em Emery and Wishing Well is, is kind of a, uh, a nice little engine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Witching Well helps you find it. They both help find each other, so there's something to be said for it. And we can keep an eye out for whether the rest of the pieces are there. Uh, I just haven't seen them yet. Right. Is all we're saying. So, yeah. yeah. So next up we have Ayara. Uh, first of Lockathwain. Let's say Lockthwain. Lockthwain? Yeah. BBB, that's a, always a dangerous casting cost. I thought they do it on purpose now, right? Like, it's just tongue-in-cheek. It's yeah. like, like, <laughs> like... Like, is it Necro? It's not Necro. Absolutely. No. But it is a, it's a thing. So, it, keep in mind that it also triggers on itself, right? When it or another black creature enters the battlefield under control, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life, tap, sacrifice a black creature, another, another black creature to draw a card. So, the other black creatures become... They come down, they drain the guy for one, I sacrifice them for a card, find more creatures to drain you for one with... Right. This also, by the way, you know, doesn't care about, like, a lot of times cards like this will say when you cast a black creature, this happens, but this cares about entering the battlefield. So anything that's making tokens, uh, if you were amassing, for example, uh, with your Dreadhorde army card, uh, you would gain a life. 
And lose a life? But every so if you play right, if you play Dreadhorn Invasion on turn two, and yes. this on turn three. Yes. Then on your upkeep, you would sacrifice this to get rid of the token to draw a card. Yeah. Creature would enter play. You get the one life back that you paid yes. to the invasion. You drain them for one. Yes. And you just keep going. So that's a very good set of cards to start off a deck with. <laughs> That seems fine. I mean, you also can just be like, yeah, no, I'll just let it get bigger. That's fine. And, you know, no one's saying you have to do recoup that. Recoup the life with other black creatures. Maybe I'll just attack you. I mean, I have better things to do sometimes. <laughs> a lot going on in my life. So th- this is a card that you, uh, you could see yourself thinking about? Yeah. I, it's, it's, it adds a active drain to every creature, right? It, it has a little come into play effect itself. Um, I think it has to be a mono-black deck. It has to be... Like, if there's a black weenie deck of some kind that ends up happening. Like, the vampires have some cards to offer. Like, there's a very good one-drop for that deck. Do you feel like this is missing a keyword to push it over the top? Like, a, a death touch, a, a first strike, a, something that does... So, I mean, I, I, I think this does a lot. But I think... I've, I've, maybe I've been spoiled by black creatures that also... Do something else, I, like passively have some passive static ability on the board. I guess I would think more in the lines of I have an entire deck to build, right? I need the cards in the deck to add up, right? So, this is the first block card we've looked at, right? So, does the rest of black give me much to work with, or am I stuck with my one knight that like is this insane one drop, this one insane vampire one drop that I the Ebon whatever, yeah, yeah, do I have compliments for that? Right, because that card is a knight, right? Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like the knights have some really good one drops, right? And the question is, does the mono black deck that this goes into? Right. Does it have it? Right? Do you have other creatures that you can run that do it for you? Right? So like, you know, we have the Dreadhorn Invasion, you have to the be fair, our deck's probably black green. We have eight duels and <laughs> once upon a time. That doesn't count. <laughs> That's not great. To be clear, I want to lay down the law right now. If your only green card is Once Upon a Time, your deck is not green. I will pass that along. Sorry, I walked over to the fridge to get a soda. Uh, I'll pass that along to the people who do uh, deck deck listing. At, so, you know, this would be like Black Green Knights, but it's really Mono Black Knights. You know. Yeah, just write Black Knights, right? <laughs> Like, a knight would be insulted if you called him a black green knight. He's a black knight. <laughs> he knows it. Come on. He's got the suit. Like, he... Come on. You're putting the Bud Light commercial now? It's like... It's, you're making a mockery of the whole situation. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I am... I am intru- Yeah, I think there might be places where Baking to a Pie actually starts, starts getting played. Like, the food token thing in green. We'll get to it later. Yeah. Like, actually is going on. I can see black green decks where, like, the food token actually pays off enough that you're right. like... I could buy that. Yeah. Um, By the way, in general, we're, no. we're talking about the night decks. Yeah. Uh, Bell of the Brawl, which wins, I think, card title for the set. It's my favorite card name in the entire set. There's a bunch of puns that kind of miss, but this one I love. I, I, I'm all for the pun. Um, she looks like very much the part. Right? Yeah. Like, um, but maybe we want a little bit more oomph on the card. I mean, it's not a card. We're talking about constructed here. Yeah. Like, it's a limited card. It's like yeah. a middle of the pack uncommon that you'd take, like, fourth, right? It's fine. About? Yeah. 
something like that. Like, I'll play it. Yeah. I'll play it fine, but like I'm not excited. Right. If I have a pure mono night deck, I'm kind of excited, but still not that excited. Alright, um You know, Cauldron Familiar is a strange card because like it doesn't seem like it has a home in any of the like it doesn't seem like it, it goes with any of the like it's pulling you in these strange directions. Where right. it's like, I'm gonna drain you for one every time I come into play. I come back for food. <laughs> but where's the food coming from? Do you like bake the cauldron familiar into a pie? Like you bake something into a pie and then feed it to the cauldron familiar? Do yeah. You, like, do you make the food tokens with like the goose because you're black green? Do you keep you sacrificing them to like drain them with the cauldron familiar? Because the cauldron familiar never I, dies. I mean, like, it's what's going on here? It's certainly an interesting card to me with Ayara, first of Lock Queen. I mean, that's definitely going on, right? If you can sacrifice the the cauldron familiar, you get drained from two, and then maybe you bring it back. Right. Food token, you do it again. So, like, if you've got the Aldra, you've got that deck, and again, like, that deck is so much more exciting to me because of Once Upon a Time, because I can actually find my cards. Right. Right. Like, you're counting on, I'm sure, a few key cards that are better than the rest of your deck. You're also just shrinking the deck. You get to play one less spell right. in your deck, and you're not going to have enough spells that you like in that deck, right? There's going to be stuff that it's short. Where do you sit on the Clackbridge troll? Far away from the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's an interesting card. Um, trample Haste. Uh, you get three goat tokens for your opponent. Right, uh, yep. Uh, and then they hit sacrifice, sacrifice one of those goats or anything else to stop you from, to tap the Clackbridge troll, but you get three life and you draw a card. So, the first three turns you play this. It's going to tap. I mean, the first one you might choose to play it after combat to block if you want, but right. the first three turns you try to attack at this thing. Right, they can't just sack it. They, can only, they only have the opportunity to sacrifice a creature um, before your combat step, at the beginning of combat. Yeah. So I just think three turns is a very long time to wait. And draw a card, gain three life, draw a card, gain three life, draw a card, gain three life, when if you don't need the life, they don't do it to you, right. is a long time to wait for something to happen. Right. So and, I think, it, and it doesn't have to be the goat that they sacrifice either. Right, they can right. keep going later. So again, limited, it's probably good. Yeah. Like, but not amazing. Right. Inconstructed, I don't see it. I didn't, like, I stopped, I stopped to think about it, and then I was like, I don't need to talk about this card. But, right. I mean, that was where I got like, there's... I mean, Epic Downfall is, like, a very simple, direct, like, you can do this now. Right? Like, cool. Uh, Falmar Knight, you know, basically, you know, with the kicker! <laughs> <laughs> so, to be for an instant, you draw a card and you lose one life. Uh, and then B for a 1-1 death touch. Uh, and so, you know, again, this is something that at 5 mana... With a way to bounce it for one mana, like a portal sanctuary is whispers of the muse with buyback, painful buyback. But I think it's yeah. I think of it more as you're playing like the mono block deck or the ultra aggressive knight deck, and you get to occasion like if it's later game, you get to just like draw an extra card. Yeah, I don't think you're trying to pull shenanigans out of this card very often. Okay, I think the card, the decks that want to pull shenanigans, just can't stomach what this card does. I'm like, unless they just actively, unless they're actively happy to get a one one death touch for one. Right. I think this is a definitely underestimated effect, right? Like I, I draft the scorpion in M twenty draft, right? Like said scorpion a lot because it just solves all your problems. 
right? Except dying to heart piercer bow. I was going to say, all your non-heart piercer bow problems. Well, I mean, you know, is that really it? <laughs> when they don't have a heart piercer bow, you're very happy to have that card. When yeah. they have a heart piercer bow, you're very sad. But, like, I'm willing to, I'm willing to, it's so good I'm willing to chance that. Cards like this and the tapper are also really, I mean, we haven't seen any ways necessarily that we've talked about yet to do this, but also anything that's returning cards from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, so, you know, a card like this that you get to put down early, trade, or hide behind to stabilize the board and develop your mana. Are you saying, like, you might run, bring this back of Order of Midnight or something? Like, is, just scroll down, like, a four cards or something. And oh, hi. <laughs> a flying knight that goes in the same night that gives you the same mono black deck that like gets you like again like more ways to just cycle through with with the with Ayara and just like right. keep, you keep you in cards, keep you in knights. Yeah. You know. Interesting. Yes. So something like that. Yeah, like there's definitely a buck knight deck here. It's like starting to get interesting. Right. Like Right. We, well you, you can just get to gem your deck full of creatures and then have these incidental spells that you can choose to deploy in the right situation. Right, like you've got, and Murderous End is also right here, right? Like, Murderous Rider, sorry. Murderous yeah, Murderous Rider. Rider, which is attached to Swift End. Which is right next to Lost Legion, just so that, like, you have this, like, just look at the, look, just look at the contrast here. Like, if you go through a spoiler, <laughs> you have, like, this really menacing knight that's just like, I will kill you! And the next day, you have the, like, Ghost spirit of a former knight. It's like I will look at some cards. <laughs> I'm the common. And they cost the same amount. They're both knights. They're both two threes. They're next to each other, and it's just right. sad. Yeah, Swift End is on Murder Shrider is destroy target creature or planeswalker. You lose two life. Right. I, I'll have to make that up with a life link on the creature that I cast for free after that, right. because you know I hear murder just isn't doing it. Right. As and a card. By the way, when a murderous rider is a two three life link, and then when it dies, you put it on the bottom of its owner's library. Well, I mean, at least it doesn't come back. Right. Oh, at least you can't just do this. You can't bring it back in order of midnight, which is like sure. I think that's a cause to protect everyone from this card going nuts. Like, right. Right. That's an actively that's a, that that causes a downside. A downside. And I respect that. It also doesn't mean you don't get decked, potentially. But, like, right. I, I think mostly the downside. Then we got more knights. We got Oathsworn Knight. Like, remember when three mana 4-4s four were, like, a green thing, at least? <laughs> now, apparently, they're a black thing. And then, like, where they just get smaller, if they would otherwise uh, have damage out to them? Yeah. This goes 4-3-2-1 in combat. Right, that. so I guess part of the idea is that, like, you have to attack with it. And then, like, they can take it down piecemeal or otherwise, like, do whatever they need to do to handle it. Okay. Yeah, okay. Whatever. That's fine. It just seems like really good times to play this card. Yeah. It just seems like really efficient beats. Yeah. Like, you're playing, like, some sort of red-based strategy, and you're like, okay, that's not great. Do we have, a, do we have any way to play around with counters on this? I mean, we have something that makes it a base 3. We have things that definitely make it a base 3-3. Three, three. But that's a lot of mana. But it's a lot of mana. We also have, like... Oh, by the way, right, if you could... We also have multiple Night Lords that turn it into Mortal. I was going to say, anything, by the way, that gives this plus one, plus one... Yeah. You uh, mean, like, a Night Lord that costs two mana? Right. Will mean that this can't die. Yeah, or a Night Enchantment that just, like, is a Lord. Yeah. Yeah, it could happen. Yeah. It could yeah. happen. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, if they were to put such things in the set next to each other. Yeah, yeah. They might, they might. <laughs> Order of Midnight, again, is, like, a... You know, mediocre creature attached to a mediocre spell with options. And, like, you know, I don't know if it's good enough for people, but, you know, 
it's a pretty exciting way to grind people out. Yeah, super super sweet card in limited. You know, yeah. on turn four, you know, get something back and play this as a flyer, and then have something for next turn. And yeah, yeah, Piper of the Swarm seems like it just doesn't have any friends. Like, oh, you just you just need more rats. I feel like if you were playing a deck with four rats, that I'm pretty excited to have this as like. I give them all menace, and occasionally I make some rats and or take some guys, but on its own, no. It's so slow. It takes forever, man. Yeah. Feels bad. Thinking about it in limited. In limited, I take it. Yeah, I mean, I, I take it. I'm just thinking about how often I will steal something with it. I think reasonably often. Games go long. Yeah. Um, the Wrangle Master of Pranks, people are reporting good things. Apparently, this is being playtested. Okay. By a bunch of people. In particular, the discard uh, option is So 2BB for a 3-3 three, three Flying Haste, Fairy Rogue. Uh, whenever Rankle Master Prank steals combat damage to a player, choose any number. Of Each player discards a card, each player loses one life and draws a card, or each player sacrifices a creature. Yep. Weirdly phrased card, which has already led to multiple, you know... 69 jokes on the internet. <laughs> Everyone's like, I choose 69. Oh. I chose my number. Aha! <laughs> um, oh, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, this is very powerful. It's a. Uh, like, all three of those have their place. Right. Right. You can do an extra damage to them, give everyone cards, you can make them discard, you can sacrifice if you have a spare creature or something has right. to die or whatever. Gives you a lot of optionality. Four mana haste. It's a legendary creature, which some things trigger off of these days. I don't know. Um, seems like a fine thing to put into your mono block deck. Seems like a fine thing to put into various aggro decks potentially. But like four is a big. I felt the four the slot, the combination at four got easier for decks that aren't green. I think. Okay. Um, so maybe it's got some got some kick to it. More than unusual. Like you telling me I'm going to play this over Kindling Phoenix in my red black deck. I'm like really. Yeah. Right? Like, no. But, I mean, that's, that's... We don't have these options, right? Yeah. So. Um, Smitten Swordmaster's kind of, uh... A, a fun, uh, card for limited. I, I think for your night deck. You're underestimating this card. Like, Am I? I, I? Yeah. I, I think that you... It's a common, though, so I'm dismissing it. I mean, I understand that's the why. <laughs> I think that you have to look at these adventure cards as they seem to have costed them as make a card and then um, just add this adventure to it because you yeah. can. Yeah. Like wait and testing. Like by the way, we want these cards to have adventures on them, except for the ones that are specifically designed to like actually match. But like basically not cost it as if it had an extra text on it. And like a creature deck that's like, by the way, drain you from my creatures. Right. Like as an extra thing. Like, yeah, I probably have better knights. But, like, 2-1 lifelink for 2 is, like, not fine, fine enough that I you mean, might... it's not good enough, but, you know. And also, like, for the mono black knight deck, it probably is good enough. Like, the deck is trying to drain you out. Like, there's a lot of knights in that deck. Right. There's probably the knight back off. Oh, by the way, you misspelled her name. What's that? Read the flavor text. They misspelled her name. That's a copyright violation, and you know it. Right. There's, there's, there's an extra A. 
and it's out of order, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, and we all know it, right? Just say it. Yes. Yes. And you will die trying. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> you will definitely die trying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, do you actually see a world where someone where this card gets played in standard? Yeah. I, mean, I don't think it's, like, I wouldn't bet on it. Right. But I do. Um, I think a mono black knight deck, basically, right. which is full of drain effects, which right. is trying to drain you out reasonably often. Like the idea is, I don't have to hit you to win right. necessarily. Yeah, and if you get to, I mean, you get to do four with this or five with this for one, and like also and then play the guy, put a counter on my one drop. Like, right, we're also talking about all the things you know where like order of midnighting this card back. You, know, you trade with it early, right? You order of midnight it back and now drain you for two or three again. Right. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, yeah. Like, just, I think there's too much, again, like, you have to scale up to what's, what's, what's allowed here, you know? But, um, you know, Sir, Con- Sir Conrad, probably the high end of this block deck, right? What, what, how do you feel about Unmask? Um, Spectre Shriek. I mean, I wish it was, if it was discard rather than exile a card from your hand. Yeah. And so you could actually, like, use this to get rid of your, your discard intentionally? Yeah. That'd be one thing. Look, it's a good card if you had hit a black card. Right. If you're not, two for one, this is not Unmask, right? Right. This is not Unmask. Unmask costs zero. Sure. Like, and also, Unmask was usually bad. Also, you can pay, pay for four, four for Unmask, right, later right. on in the game. Unmask was not generally a good idea. It was... Pretty punishing to have to lose two spells. I guess like, playing unmasked was a sign that something was deeply wrong. Right. Right. And something is not that deeply wrong right now. Okay. In that way. I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a seller. Okay. Like, might be a modern card. But, like, Inquisition sure. of Kozilek and Thoughtseize are already things, so right. probably not. Yeah. You know, like, uh, Sir Conrad, more interesting to me, right? Like, this is a card if you play in the arena that you got to play against this a little bit. Yeah. Well, so 3BB for a 5-4 legendary creature human knight. Whenever another creature dies or a creature card is put into a graveyard from anywhere other than the battlefield or a creature card leaves your graveyard, Sir Conrad the Grim deals one damage to each opponent. Uh, and then it has 1B. Each player puts the top card of their library into their graveyard. 5-4. At some point, someone's going to do this thing where they exile their own graveyard right afterwards and, like... Kill you? Yeah. It's going to be great. Um, like, thinking about it again, I don't think it's there. I think there just isn't enough going on. 5-drop is expensive. If they kill it straight away, it's hard to get that much value. It, it's kind of one of those cards that fills the role of I'm going to flood the board... Put a lot of pressure on you, and if you have a, if you're relying on a wrath to clean up, I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, right. Like it fills that role of like making it difficult for your opponent to profitably wrath. Maybe I'm playing the blue black deck. So I'm playing this with the gargoyle thing. That, right. That, you know, we want to get seven cards in their yard. Yeah. So that last line is relevant for more than that. Yeah. I don't see how that deck has that many creatures in it. <laughs> so I'm not sure. Yeah. No. I am excited to play like a two drop that has four toughness. I can like, you know, do things like Clarion and Cry the Carnarium and we keep my guy. I mean, God, like I play a two drop 
in my deck, and then I cry the quinarium, and then I like, you know, quinarium, and I like keep my board. But it doesn't seem right. What the hell's up with that? Yeah. How, how do you feel about the new cry, which is vengeance? So, choose this creature type. Creatures of the type of your choice, knight. Get minus three, minus three until end of turn. Vampires? But not knight, meaning the other thing yeah. that you have and not oh, yeah. vampire. Does vampire survive rotation that well? I don't know. Probably not. I don't think so. Yeah, probably not. I haven't even looked at rotation stuff yet. I haven't seen anybody play it in Magic 2020, and there yeah. really aren't new vampires yeah. worth a damn, so. But this is still going to be a card. Oh, yeah. I, this, this, by the way, might just be a modern card, too. I mean, first thing we do, we kill all the humans. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yes. And don't kill my stuff. Yeah. Which is not easy to do, necessarily. And incidentally good against a bunch of other decks as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a holder, I guess. Like, I'm not convinced it's there, but it's definitely not bad. Like, it's hard to be relying on this because a lot of people can split themselves up. Like, it, it's good anti-night creature. It's an anti-night deck, though. Right. All right, well, let's, let's hold here. We'll come back. We'll do another part. Because this is running a little long, and there's still a bunch of stuff to talk about. We got two powers how, plus gold. So. How, how have we done on your checklist so far? Well, I mean, we still have to do red and green, and we still have to do gold, and the artifacts and the lands. So, <laughs> you know, we're like two thirds of the way through, maybe. Like, no, not even. Like, we're like sixty, like maybe fifty-five percent, okay. like a little over half. Yeah, we got we got one green card in there. All right. Yeah, that's true. All right. The so, important, most important one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah As Brandon's V for Topic Magic, and we'll be back with more. Uh, when you click on a link or something. Bye. Hi, everybody. Brian David Marshall here with special guest V. Moshewitz from Top 8 Magic, the longest-running podcast about magic in the game. And I don't mean just because we're going into our, well into our second hour of talking about this new set. Um, so red is where we're at right now. Obviously, the full set still hasn't been spoiled yet, but we're going to... Got a pretty good percentage uh, in the books already, so we're getting a pretty good idea of what's going on. What's the first red card that jumps out for you? Bone Crusher's Giant. Yeah, this card is, uh, I like to say, pushed. I believe my response to this card was, What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's two and a red for a 4 3 creature giant. Whenever Bone Crusher Giant becomes the target of a spell, Bone Crusher Giant deals two damage to that spell's controller. Okay, that's pretty good. Uh, and then it also comes with the spell Stomp. One R instant adventure. Damage can't be prevented this turn. Stomp deals two damage to any target. So things that might clue you in this is good. You might play Stomp. <laughs> <laughs> you might play without. You might play this card without Stomp. Like, I definitely can see a 4-3 for 3 that does damage when you target it as a perfectly viable standard card. Yeah. I can see Stomp as a, as a niche sideboard card if prevention became a thing in some sense. Certainly, you know, we play Shock all the time, and we're happy about it. This sure. is the perfect setup. It's like, oh, on turn two, I kill your one, one or two drop, and then I drop this guy. Or I just do damage to your face, and I drop this guy, and I do two right. more to your face when you kill it. Now you're at 16, and we've traded cards. And, like, what the hell is going on? Burn you out. Hi, thanks. Like, what? This is not okay. This is not okay. This is definitely one of the cards I'm eager to talk to Mike about as, like, the, the modern burn guy. 
You know, because this card seems like it is a reasonable card in burn. I mean, it's Skullcrack minus a, a damage, right? Minus a damage, but it's damage to any target. Yeah. So you actually get to kill their uh, Eidolon in a mirror or, yeah. you know, do something. And then the next turn, you just get to play this as a 4-3, which... It's a pretty good use of no cards. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is fine. And, you know, again, if they want to deal with it, if they want to path it or they want to do something to get it out of the way, they take two, you know, I don't know. Seems good. I, I think you're trying to be too mana efficient to do that most of the time, and it's not going to be quite there. Yeah. But, like, once upon a time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which does raise the value of flashing around a bit in your decks, right, in theory, because you have some selection if you know what you're up against. I also really don't like the whole scouting effect, right? It's even worse than the one that Mulligan, right? Like, if I have to cast Once Upon a Time as my first spell, so I'm going first, and I haven't played my one drop, and I play a one drop, but I have to cast this on turn one. And now I'm looking through my deck, and I haven't seen what you have yet. It's like, Adventure Simple is the same thing, right? Like, I don't know what you're playing against. If I know, like, there's a right answer. I don't know, so I'm just guessing. And, like, I hate it when, like, scouting, sure. you know, matters a lot. Um, but, I mean, look, my Motion Giant is a ridiculous match card. Yeah. Like, it's just, it should not happen. Yeah. My, so my instinct is that this doesn't get into Modern, but it also doesn't seem to me beyond the pale that it does. No, which it shouldn't, we shouldn't be talking about that, right? Is basically the way I put it. Like, we shouldn't be talking about a card that is, like... Designed to be like grindy card advantage in some sense, making it into modern because that should not make it into modern. Modern is too busy. <laughs> like, this card makes me want to play Red Burn. <laughs> okay. Or just like Red Green Good Stuff or right. Red Blue Bird Good Stuff or just like let's have some stuff. Yeah. So, like, sweet. point of order, by the way, I, I just don't know. Like, th- this does not count as an instant in your yard, right? No, because it doesn't go to your yard. It goes to exile. No, but like if it if it's dead. Oh, I don't know. Because if these count for your Pteromancers and your Drakes, I don't. I don't. Wow, I don't think they do. Because like, as an instant, you can cast it as an instant. You have an adventure. Right. Like, I don't know. Let's see if there's a I ruling. Mean, there's probably a ruling. I'm just saying that like, it's already tempting me anyway. Right? This is just so good. I do not play this card. And I really hate it when there's cards that are like this and are both designed specially, basically, it seems like, for like one of the decks that I think are good enough already, like right. Red Burn, and also are just like, how do you not play this when the mana is available? Like, how do I... I don't know how you play a red deck that, like, has dudes and don't run this. Right. Right? Like, it just doesn't make... How, you just have to. Right? Unless, unless the metagame code that's doing two damage isn't a thing. Like maybe everything is so big that there's no point. That's the only way I can think of it. Right? If you're not burned and there's nothing to kill. While this card is in your hand, your graveyard, your library, even exile, it only has the characteristics of the creature, not the adventure. Okay. Good. So. Yeah, I mean, I want to go through the thought process, but like. Yeah. It's still like. Yeah, I love, I love playing this card. I hate that, like, there's a card that's incidentally going to be in a bunch of decks that just, like, randomly knocks you when you target it. Like, <laughs> what's up with that? Like, I don't even get the flavor argument. 
I mean, he's a big angry giant. Yeah, but like they're bad. They're slow reactors. Yeah. Like, what's the whole story? Like, like Jack pisses him off, and then he like V five O five. You targeted me. Take two. Jack's like miss. <laughs> I, I think the 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 top down is that he falls, hits the ground, and then he should just do two damage to every creature when he dies. He, that'd be fine. If he died, if we died, that would make more sense, right? Like, yeah. But when he's targeted, Come yeah. On. Uh oh, by yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, yeah. This is not all right. So what else do you have here? The red, red is the other color for knights, by the way. Yeah, we have. Fervent, so we see cards like brimstone, yeah. trebuchet, fervent champion, uh, equipment, equip abilities that activate the target cost three less to activate. So. You know, it makes certain things seem a lot more reasonable, potentially. Yeah, Fervent Champion, by the way, is the first card to sort of return to the era of the Invitational cards. Yeah. So this is Javier Dominguez's card. He worked with Wizards to design this. The flavor text of the card is 2018 World Champion Javier Dominguez. A little um, on the nose. A little on the nose, Yeah. I, I don't. I actually just like the flavor tag. Like, I think. I, it, like, yeah. So I do too. I, I I would look for a key line from a feature match or something in his world champ. But right. What I love is this Easter egg, right? That, like the players who know know it's his right. face. The story is out there. Right. Like his references. You hear the story. It's like no. By the way, it just is the big. Yes. My, my flavor text would have been at last because you know, he had two ninth places on tiebreakers. He had the second place finish at Worlds the year before. That's great. I would have been like at last. Like. One of my favorite flavor texts of all time, obviously, is greatness at any cost. Yeah. <laughs> right, yes. So, but, but the card itself, for, so it's a one drop, one one, first strike, haste. Uh, it bonuses other attacking knights and then equip ability. So, so what, what are you thinking about with this at this point already in terms of uh, equipment? The problem is, like, can you really play the big guy? The hammer? You drop the hammer on people. Probably not. Like you'd have to be playing the brawl guy, right? Like <laughs> to do that, which is like yeah. a little bit reachy, right? Yeah. So probably not. Maybe if I want to life with knights. So I can hit them even once. Kind of sweet, right? But... So like, you try to equip it if they kill it, you, equip something else instead. So like they really have to do their work, right? You play <laughs> your six drop, and they like respond, yeah. but. I think it's more like you want one drops. This guy attacks for two in some sense, right? Right. Like, because you have someone else to pump up. Um, first strike is always a nice thing to put your equipment on. And then, like, there's some stuff. I worry that the, the night equipment doesn't work. So, if I'm reading the land correctly, you can't actually use the meta from the land to pay for the night lance. Right. Okay. And if that's true, then I think the mana on that card is pretty prohibitive. Because... You're trying to support a three-color mana base, probably, right? To make your deck work, because like a bunch of the white knights are kind of a, you need the white, you need white and red to get the lord. You need white and black to oh, get. Oh, sure, it's, it's actually Mardu, right? Or the knight. Right, you need to be Mardu because there's two gold knights at two, and now you're telling me to play a card that my gold land doesn't help with <laughs> that costs BR. Excuse me. And that's the best equipment card for my knight deck, right? And it isn't that big a payoff, right? It's just sort of a slightly cheaper version of the equipment. That's like it isn't good enough. So, like, yeah, the question to me is, what's the equipment, right? It just, I don't see it. Um, you know, 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't think anything in M20 is particularly interesting for equipment. Right. Dominaria had an interesting one, but it's gone now. And it doesn't really work on this card anyway. So it's like, yeah. But I mean, this, 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 this line of cards has two very interesting cards coming up afterwards because mana is a thing. And we'd rather not pay it. Right. We'd rather get lots of it. So Fires of Invention. Yeah, this is, this is a sweet card. I, I'm excited about it. I don't know what I want to do with it. 3R for an enchantment. You can, all, you can cast spells only during your turn, and you can cast no more than two spells each turn. So one this turn, and two after that. Let's be clarified. So one more this turn, and then two every turn from there on in. Sure. Right? Yes. Uh, you may cast spells with converted mana costs less than or equal to the number of lands you control without paying their mana costs. Right. So, so you, on the turn you play this, you get a free four mana spell. Right. It doesn't cost you anything. You play it down for free. Is what it's saying. Once you have four lands, it just pops down effectively. Right. And then you get to spend your mana twice for spells, and again for everything else. I'm pretty excited. Like I don't know exactly how this works yet. Right. And the, the problem is it's Primordial Frenzy. The problem is for the same price, you could have just played Experimental Frenzy. <laughs> it's a very different deck strategy, right? Experimental Frenzy wants you to play a bunch of one drops. It wants you to be very right. aggressive. It wants you to like play this very like I don't care what happens. Come it's what like may. The mid range Experimental Frenzy. Yeah, but I mean, in a a deck full of activated abilities and like mid rangey things you can do for a lot of mana, you know, like how about you do this with like that two two flash guy that every time you preacher come into play you can pay X. So like I play my guy for free. And I just like every every turn that I play the X guy is like ugh. <laughs> <sighs> Right? I'd be like, just think like that. I think a buy is familiar, so it costs two less to do. Right. You know, like, but like, you know, maybe I play this in the, the buy is familiar deck, right? So like, I get out my familiar, and then like, I put this out on turn four. Yep. Right? And then, yeah, I start dropping, I, I, drop, I drop a four drop or something. Next turn, it's like, I drop my scrap, I drop my, I drop my, uh, my dragon. And I start activating it. And maybe I drop another five drop while I'm at it. I could do two of them. <laughs> like, it just, you know, I just chained my, uh, chained my Grove Chain, chained my Guardians with this. Right. Because I can cast two a turn. Interesting. Yeah, you know, there's a lot, a lot going on there. You know, I can use my mana to activate my, uh, my Incubation Druid, even though I can't use it to cast the spell, same spell. But like, this isn't mandatory also. Like, notice it's you may cast spells without paying their converted mana costs, right? So, like... If you want to get out in front of this thing, you're allowed to. Right. So one thing you can do is you can be like, I'm going to cast my X spell and draw a billion cards or whatever and then cast one of them for free. Oh, sure. And the billion can be like off of all of these crazy other things that you do. Right. Right? Interesting. Or, you know, here's a spell I like to cast for free. <laughs> Iron Crag Feet. How about this one? So I now have 11 mana. <laughs> and I have two reasons I can't play more than one of the spell. So make it count. <laughs> I thought it'd be commencing the end game or something. But <laughs> how do you feel about that? This is a card obviously people are excited. Iron, Iron Crag Feet, one RRR, sorcery, add seven R. You can only cast one more spell this turn. This card seems very powerful. I found the flavor text. Very specific. The flavor text needs to be something else. Yeah. The greatest challenge isn't the stifling heat, but the crushing weight of those who failed before. Oh, maybe that. No. 
That might just be referring to all the times they tried to break this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like the, I, yeah, it could be. I feel like I, I would like if I was writing one of my old school reviews, yeah. it would have been like, no, it's fine. I checked Gatherer. <laughs> so people, people have been talking about this card for modern, obviously. Yep. Um, as a card that lets you, you know, it's another way to play Karn Liberated. Right. Oh it, yeah, yeah. It gets That's a nice card, seven. It gets your Karn Liberated on turn. Let's. I mean, essentially turns. But is it really another way to play Karn Liberated? Because how are you getting red, red, red in an Urzatron? Well, you're not playing um, an alternate path. Right, right an alternate. Path. I, don't, I don't mean another. Right, way I mean, like, you have to be completely different. Yeah, path. yeah, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, let you you know, the, there's a big red as a tried and true, you know, strategy in Magic history throughout Magic history, and this is. This plays into exactly what that type of deck wants to do, right? Like, I'm going to dump a card into play, and now I'm going to take control of the game. Yeah. I'm going to play Dragon Destroyer. Right. I can. <laughs> I mean, he's, got a pro- he's got some problems, but, like, you will regret this. Right. I don't know when, and I don't know how, but you will regret this. Uh, more likely to succeed in Standard or Modern? Standard, I think. Okay. I mean, like, modern because it's got, it's got all the time in the world. Eventually, right. <laughs> eventually it will succeed in modern unless the game dies first. Wow, okay. Right? Like, eventually a mistake will happen. <laughs> Somewhere along the lines in Modern Horizons 3 or whatever. And this will happen. That's funny. Right. Um, card people have been talking about for modern. I don't know if this is on your list or not, but Merchant of the Veil. The problem isn't modern. The creature side of this is so bad. Yeah. And, and it's a common, so you kind of expect that. But, like, it's a quarter of... Like, like, let's face it. When you were, when you were looting faithlessly, yes. you, got two for, you got two right away. I agree. And the back, the, back, the back side, you got two more. Here you get one. And the back side, you get dork. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's kind of interesting about some of these cards, you know, something we didn't talk about is remember these don't count as instants or sorceries unless they're um unless they're being played so at all of the times so this these are instants and sorceries that you can once upon a time for yeah we haven't talked about i'm pretty desperate for discard outlets right now right for a few reasons yeah which we need not get into at this time (laughs) <laughs> but good discard outlets. He's got tech. <laughs> I mean, as in, like, we're not in the green section right oh, now. You know, okay. That kind of thing. Um, I thought you were thinking about your Richmond deck. That's all. No, 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 no. I have no secrets right now because, like, it's not worth bothering. Like, whatever. I, I'm saying everything. Else. Nobody listens to me anyway. It's the great secret. <laughs> so, like, so when you do startups, right? And, and this is my, I'm, I'm currently in my second real startup, and and maybe fourth or fifth startup if you count more generally. Um, the first rule of startups is nobody cares about your stupid startup idea, right? <laughs> like, you can tell everyone what your big change of the world thing is going to be, and they will say that's very nice and get super excited, but nobody's going to steal it. Nobody is going to care. Nobody is going to remember tomorrow because it's not their idea. Right. And they won't value it, and they won't take it, and they won't do it. It's up to you, right? And so you should never be afraid to tell people your great ideas. Right. It's fine. Like, there are exceptions, but it's, it's always fine. And same way, like, if I have a great idea right now, if it if it's gets stolen because I put it on a podcast, it was going to be found anyway. Right. 
I'm right. not worried. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we can safely move on. All right. So what what do you like? Uh, what what's the next card that really stood out to you in red? So uh, everyone's talking about uh, Robber of the Rich. Um, yeah. This this I gotta tell you this I. Please talk me off this ledge. This feels like the card that I am just most sick about playing against. Like, like, oh, come on. I lost the die roll again, and then they're just going to smash me with this thing. And I'm just, you, you know, falling so far behind here. Um, I don't know. It, it just, this card seems disheartening to me. I hate this design. Oh, okay. This, I hate this design you're not so helping. much. <laughs> No, it, it's not that I think the card is broken. I don't think it's broken either. I, 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 I'm not sure. Yeah. I think it might be. Like, the fact that this card has reach is a weird, weird thing. Like, why does this card have reach? I think it wasn't quite good enough. Is there, like, a top-down flavor? You want to like, block, Rob- block me for sanity. Is it like Robin Hood <laughs> has a bow? I think that's probably what it's supposed to be. Right? he's an archer, yeah. Well, Archers have... Archers are sort of... Mechanically described with reach, so he has to have reach, even though it like doesn't kind yeah. of make any sense yeah, for this yeah, type of card yeah. to have reach. Yeah, but aside from that, it's just a matter of. All right. So if I'm going first, my hand is smaller because I went first. No matter what you do, because I played an extra land, you drew a fir- you drew your card first. I got to play an extra land, and I got to play this. There's no way in hell, unless mo- a lot of Morgans are involved, I don't get to activate this thing. I get to go first, and like unless I have like literally unsummoner shock. Like, or a one-drop that blocks this, I'm just going to get hit. Right. And then, you know, this easily sky rolls out, sky, you know, easily snowballs out of control, because once it starts hitting, you know... It's worth noting that you also don't need to play the card the turn you exile it. Right, it just has to be a turn so, you attack if so any So whenever row. Robber the Rich attacks, if defending player has more cards in hand than you, exile the top card of their library. During any turn you attack with a rogue... You may cast that card, and you may spend mana as though it were mana. I mean, is there, it's the thing of like, so you can't get lands with this, right? But so like, that's you know something to note. So it can miss. Like, I'm not like I don't, yeah, I don't think the card's necessarily broken. It's a matter of I go first. You were never in it. I go second. I have a dork. I have a bad dork because like I have a two-two haste creature that like probably can't successfully even get in. Right. You know, a lot of the time, or like doesn't all it does is do hack for two. And I have a bigger hand than you for the first four turns. Like even if I'm playing a like even if I play a one drop and you don't, I play a two drop. And you can't actually you don't get to exile anything. Right? I do anything. You don't get to exile anything. Like eventually, yeah. It's also weird that it doesn't have to hit you. It just has to attack, right? Like when it attacks the twenty player has more cards than your hand. Yeah. Like that's like you know what? It's a highwayman. It attacks you while you're on the road. It doesn't, but it doesn't like, attack you when you're back at your lair. No, it's attacking me, but it didn't... I, I blocked the guy! How did he get my stuff? <laughs> like, what kind of fairy tale is this? Yeah. You know, and like, the idea that you're rich because I have more cards than this, like, guy who plays a bunch of mono red one-drops is just <laughs> like, come on, man. But no, like, you know... I think we're going to be more sick of playing against Bonecrusher Giants. Okay. Like, I think that all the decks that play one play... A lot of, all the decks that play this play Bonecrusher Giant, probably. Just because Bonecrusher Giant is too good not to play. Right. And, like... But, yeah. 
the modern red deck that plays those two cards and probably a bunch of other stuff is just like, you know, I'm already sick of it. Paging swirling. <laughs> like, it, it, it's... This is dumb. And I'm not happy about it. Right? And, like, there is nothing worse, really, in Magic than, like, your opponent did something like this and then, like, you get beat with your own card because your own card is good. Right. This, is, this is the card that has sort of given me this feeling, pre, pre-given me this feeling, second most in this set. First is going to be... I mean, once upon a time, is the card going to be sick of hearing? Say, that's not the card I'm thinking. Hearing, I say. Yeah, yeah. Not... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think about Scorching Dragonfire? Is just... You know, it doesn't hit players, but it does hit players. I think it's great. Which seems huge right now. I think that... I mean, keep in mind that, like, your Phoenix is gone, sir. Right? Yeah. Like, the, the, the biggest motivation. There are still some motivations. Right. But, you know, hitting Planeswalkers is a big game. You need a thing that does three. Um... I do think that, like, the Red, the red Burn deck can't play it. Right. Because it doesn't hit players. Right. But there'll be a lot of people who are reasonably happy to play this. Right? If I'm playing my Drake deck, I'm pretty sad I don't have Lightning Strike in this spot, but, like, this might be enough to play one or two copies. It's fine. Like, I'm... I can't be that upset about Lightning Strike not being in the set, because it's not like I want people burned out. Right. But I didn't want to just play the... I, I kind of did want to play the Drake deck in Richmond. They're not making this easy. <laughs> so. I mean, obviously, you never like to struck anything but a creature on turn two anyway. Right. So, it, yeah. I'm sure it matters. Yeah. I love this design on seven dwarfs, though. <laughs> like, that's good top deck design. Yes. Like, I don't think it's good enough, right? Because, like, it's pretty easy to kill one of the two and leave you with a dork. Right. Right. And you're not going to like that lucky to draw three. Yeah, we, we've had cards like this in Limited... Where, you know, you can get multiple copies. It's, it's tough. It's tough to get things to stick around. I kind of want to... I, I would kind of like it if there was, like, multiple different artworks. Like, so it was twice... On the common sheet twice. Right. So you could draft it more. And, like, one picture had three of some of the dwarves, and the picture <laughs> had the other dwarves, and, like, yeah. Yes. Oh, you want the Fallen Empires treatment. I wouldn't mind if there were seven pieces of art, and, yeah. like, you know, on average appeared twice. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. No, um, but, yeah, I'd look like... That. I don't think you should do that very often, but I think when the time calls for it, right? Like, alternate art is suddenly, sometimes good. Uh, um, slaying fires, kind of, a, you know, you're, if you're looking for ways to burn people out, probably not going to be great in your Drake deck, though. Um, I mean, what is it? We have Temple, and we have, uh, yeah, so we have two dual ends yeah. that are good, and then we have, like, a dual end that's mediocre. So, like, late in the game, it does four. Right. Like, it definitely does. And it's not clear to me how much I'm, like, needed right away. But it's definitely good for the modern red players to do four for right. three. Like, they'll yeah. play it and like it. Um, I'm a little bit sad, but yeah, I just don't want them to have good burn spells because, like, they get... They have enough stupid cards to base on right. it is. Speaking of stupid cards, I think the next card is our combo with Iron Craig Feet. I mean, it's the, this is the, like, you know, if people don't see a card they can play it with, they won't get excited by it. We need to give them something. <laughs> you didn't. We oh, were excited anyway. Sundering Stroke, <laughs> 6R, Sorcery, it's a rare. Uh, Sundering Stroke deals 7 damage divided as you choose among 1, 2, or 3 targets. If at least 7 red mana was spent to cast the spell, instead, Sundering Stroke deals 7 damage to each of those permanents and or players. So... I will point out that this seems like it's got broken English. 
Yes. Like, you can choose, but they do both players if you choose players? Like, clearly that's not, like, I don't, I assume that's not the intent, right? It's like, right. it's just players of your choice. Sure. Well, you could play it in multiplayer, right? It could be three players. Right, but the idea that, like, as written, it's like, and or players. Yeah. Oh, sure, yeah. Right. So you just choose, do the players all get hit for seven or not? <laughs> so do you have to take seven? Like, I don't know. I assume not. No. But I just, like, this card doesn't read right to me. Sure. Right? Like, it just, it's weird. But the idea is, if you get, if you pull this off, right, if you either play mono red, so, like, you fuel it off of your, um, rip, your, your, your kin, right, yeah. your steam kin, or off of your ritual, you need to do seven to three of your opponent's creatures and him. Two of your opponent's creatures. Sorry. No, no. Each of those permanents and or players. So I read this as three creature targets and the players are free. Oh, I don't think so. I think the targets can be players. And then it just checks. So in other words, you pick three targets when you cast it. And then instead, if you've paid red, those three targets all Oh, seven. oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I thought this couldn't hit players unless you paid the... It's just all... All right, all right. Fine. It's... <laughs> It's a combo. Let's There's something weird going on here, yeah. but yeah, it's fine. Look, it's fine. I don't mind the card. Seven there's a lot to have to pay. I played a lot of Infire. <laughs> it does not have the counter thing on it. Right. This makes me sad. I mean, it makes me, you know, it, it's probably too much to ask because, like, there's really only two ways to play this card reasonably, right? You either have to ritual it out or you have to, like, move three counters from your Steam Ken. So, yeah. it's probably not going to happen, but. I can tell they want it to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Weasel Pack Red Cap, I was like, huh. And then I was like, oh, right. I just have a better version of this. Because, <laughs> like, I was looking for, like, because, like, I do think that the Mentor version um, is a very, is a potentially interesting 1 1 uh, for Red Green. Right. Because you need a certain number of 1 1s, and it's remarkably harmless. Especially if you like, it's another. It's also another activation potentially for various. Again, so we have Beanstalk Giant. Again, a card if you played in the brawl event, you played a fair amount of in, in any of the decks that had green. So Fertile Footsteps is two G. Search a library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield, and shuffle your library. Worth noting that that land doesn't come into play tapped. Um, for whatever, for whatever that's worth, but it is worth something. It's got some. It's got some benefits. Uh, and then for seven mana, the Beanstalk Giant has power and toughness each equal to the number of lands you control. So generally coming down as a seven-seven, but potentially yeah, no, not no, not I'm around. Yeah, no, but eh, needs a need a keyword needs trample. You give this like trample and haste, and I'm like worth hawk. Okay, and you're not you're not just interested in the fertile footsteps at all. We can do better, right? Okay. Like it just—it's not—it's just there's not it's not that big a benefit to being an overpriced door, like an overpriced big creature anymore, right. or an overpriced rampant growth. Yeah, I feel like there's because for four mana you can get two lands, right? And for so three like, mana you can also get. Uh, well, I guess you only go up one on uh, Gift of Paradise, but there are some very good um, options for three mana mana. Right, like you have in this set a white green creature that taps for at least two mana okay. while being a vigilant two two, and maybe it's bigger than that and taps for more. Right. 
So it's really hard for you to justify playing Beanstalk Giant in that spot, right? Like, you have some options. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Feasting Troll King. Okay. 2GGGG. G, G, G. I said GG twice. Yes, you did. Uh, it's a four, it's, so it's four green and two. It's a Troll Noble. It's rare. A 7-6 Vigilance Trample. When Feasting Troll King enters the battlefield, if you cast it from your hand, create three food tokens. Sacrifice three foods. Return Feasting Troll King from your graveyard to the battlefield. Activate this ability only during your turn. So you don't get the important to note that you don't get the foods if you play it that way, but you get one free rebuy essentially on the Troll King. Correct. Um, also, this lets you, you know, if you have ways to generate food cheaply and put cards into your graveyard, the goose you can is loose. You can cheat. <laughs> you can cheat this into play earlier than yes. uh, turn six. Yes, the fact that this could be cheated uh, reasonably quickly. Turn three is a very realistic goal for this card. Um, Re- very realistic. What? Yeah. You think turn three? Um. I mean, I would I say it requires work, but it doesn't. <laughs> okay, that was my question. Um, where is it? This is a different layout than I was using before. Oh, it's uh, over here. Let's go ahead to Giant Opportunity. 2G, Sorcery. You may sacrifice two foods. If you do, create a 7-7 seven, seven Giant Creature. If otherwise, create three food tokens. Ah. So, literally... Discard this card, play a three-mana spell, get a 7-6 Vigilance okay. Trampler instead. All right. For 2G. So, like, again, I'm pretty freaking interested in the red thing. And, like, yeah, and, like, later in the game, it just creates three more. Or, if you just have some extra food tokens lying around, save from your goose, like, you know, the fact that, basically, so you have the mode of turn one, Gilded Goose, turn two, activate Gilded Goose. To create a food token. Turn three, I have a giant opportunity. Here's a 7-7. Seven, seven. There was no subtlety there whatsoever. And then they played a fairy and you cry. But, <laughs> so it's not actually a great play. But, you know, the fact that this could also do the Feasting Troll King thing, we do now have two, a number of ways to go. And the fact that, like, if they don't kill your one drop, the Feasting Troll King never dies. Right. Right. And also just the whole, like, I can just gain nine life. Right. Like, that's the thing. Like, this, this food thing lets me bake a lot of food. And, like, maybe I can just use that to live if you're trying to burn me out. Like, there's not nothing going on there. And so I don't feel like I found enough cards to make it add up yet. But it feels like it's close. Golden Goose is just a thing, right? Like, you're paying a mana. You get a 0-2 flyer, which probably doesn't do very much on its own, but you got a thing. Right. And then you can tap, sacrifice a food to get a... So you get, you get to at least accelerate once at the time of your choice. You get that mana back. And you can start creating food for 1G or for just a G. I don't know how that might happen, but maybe just for G. <laughs> and yeah, you do a lot of things with food tokens, right? So now you have this, this automatic source of food tokens. Right. To do things like your giant opportunities and like troll kings. Yeah. Now, Love Struck Beast. Sweet. 
Here, haven't we talked about Yolid Goose and Golden Opportunity? Like, which yeah. are both pretty important. Yeah. Because this is the core of the food concept. Now, one thing is that because there isn't going to be a second set, we don't have the room to grow, right? Like, before we would have said, well, the food token expansion will come up, and then we'll know what the food tokens can really do. So to get to Love Struck Beast, um, this is super, this is the kind of card that's always super exciting to me. So your adventure is create a 1-1 white human creature token for G. And the creature is 5-5 for 2G, which can't attack unless you control a 1-1 creature. It can block, though, right? It's, like, it's not like can't attack or block. It blocks just fine, thank you. And it doesn't have to be that particular creature. It, just has to, it doesn't have to be your heart's desire. It can be, like, pretty much any. Like, the beast is, like, easily distractible, so if, right? If, if one or elf was available to us. Right, if Emma Watson can't come to the phone right now. Yeah. <laughs> we, we could one or elf this into play on turn two, and it could... Attack or block and be Yes, happy. but as I said, I miss Land of so much. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we have a number of, like, 1-1s or superficially 1-1s available to work with. Um, and I'm pretty excited to uh, get a free 1-1 one, one in turn 1 and then see what happens. Right. Pretty much. And if it turns out it's a blocker, sometimes it's a blocker sometimes. These things are not the end of the world. Right. Um, but, you know, there's... Look into it. Certainly, you know, like, how about a uh, 1-1 flying blue creature for you, for example? <laughs> I, I like that idea. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's interesting, too, that it's, like, specifically a 1-1 creature. Right? Usually it's unless you control a creature with power one or less, or, like, to, 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 to require the very specific... Alignment of stacks is a little unusual. Yeah, I see what they're trying to do, right? They're making you do a little work. It's just, right. This is not the thing where you have to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So we have, you know, Okom Adversary, the, like, the new face of hate, okay. right? Okom Okay. The new face of hate is it costs two less to control, two less to cast if your opponent. If your opponent has a green permanent, you can get a 1G, 2-3 death touch that deals, that, that, that uh, draws a card when you deal damage to a player. So you can have a, like, solidly good card if they already have a green permanent. Wow. Or otherwise you can just pay a massive amount for it. So like, you know, hate and draft, I guess. I was just saying, in draft, this card seems spectacular. Do you, do you see this card getting any standard play? No. Like, not even after sideboarding, right? Like, I'm not going to waste a sideboard slot on this, yeah. right? Like, my sideboard has to be, like, otherwise just wasting yeah, away. Yeah. So we've already talked about Once Upon a Time extensively. But not once in the future. Okay. So, you know, this is, you know, assuming you spend the three green mana, it's fine to just have the backup plan if you don't have it. But, like, the main mode of this card is the adamant, which is, um, you know, how about an instant four mana restock? Right. So, G- <clears throat> G3, instant return target card from your graveyard to your hand, put up to one other target card from your graveyard on top of your library, exile once in the future. If at least three green was spent to cast the spell, not even all green, just three yeah. of the four. Uh, Instead, return those cards to your hand and exile once in Wow. Yeah, this is one of those cases where, again, I think we're just too good for this, unfortunately. Right now. I think we're too fast and too good for this. I think we can do better. I think that, like, I'd rather have a you know, very fine broker or whatever. Right. Right, but it's good to know that we have this option, and I can definitely see, like, a black-green deck running one straight-up double sure. regrowth, like, because why not? But 
Yeah, I don't, I don't think this is where we want to be. I'm, I'm going to look at it for my commander decks. Oh, certainly for commander, that seems amazing, right? Yeah. Like, if you have the, the mana base to support it. Yeah. Yeah. Once upon a time, we've already talked about. Then there's Questing Beast. Que- this, so this is the card that I, you know, if I'm, if I'm like, ugh, rolling my eyes at uh, the robber of the rich, I'm actually taking my eyes out of my head and throwing them at you. Oh, over Questing Beast. This is a 4-4 for 2GG with six abilities. <laughs> six abilities. Vigilance, Death Touch, and Haste are three of them. Yes. Questing Beast can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. Combat damage that would be dealt by creatures you control can't be prevented. For whatever reason. I don't even know why that's there. <laughs> Whenever Questing Beast deals combat damage to an opponent... It deals that much damage to target Planeswalker that player controls. This card is... Mm. I don't get it. It, Like, How much of standard is going to be pitched around questing beast battles? I mean, if you're playing green, and by which I mean you're not just playing once upon a time, let's be very clear on this, then you're not playing green. You know... It's really hard for me to imagine not playing this card. You know, when you think about, you know, this, this is, obviously this is a pretty anti-Planeswalker card. Yeah. Um, they're saying, like, look, it's not good enough that you just put some Planeswalkers in your deck. Right. And you make some wolves to try to protect yourself, or some soldiers to protect yourself with. You're going to actually have to play some creatures or deal with this, deal with this creature. If you want to protect your planeswalker, because I mean, you're going to have to do many things. You can't, you know, you can't block up small creatures. It will at least trade with the big creatures. Right. Uh, it's got haste. It attacks you first. You don't even, have, yeah. And then it only kills the planeswalker. Right. You know, it's it's just ridiculous. It's one of these things where it's like you're basically forcing me to play three or four copies of a legend because it's too good not to play. Which I hate. Right. Right. But what am I going to do about it? Mythic Rare. So, yeah, there go my walk cards. I mean, like, what do you do? <laughs> Things I must wild card. When the time comes to play Constructed. Like, Once Upon a Time probably pushes you towards not having to play four copies of things like this. Sure. Somewhat, because. I mean, I, I don't think. Drawing two might not be that bad. Like, it just. Yeah, that's Fine, true. you killed the first one. Great, here's another one. Right. Enjoy yourself. By the way, I'm just attacking with it this turn. I'm attacking right now, yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it just... I just don't get why, like... Is Vigilance Death Touch Haste not good enough for, 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 the, for this card? Like, can we stop here? Like, no? Why not? I don't know. Like, you know... Are you worried people might play other cards? I, I just want to know why they didn't give it uh, reach. <laughs> just... Let's go for seven. Seven abilities. That seems to be a theme in the set, right? Seven cards in your opponent's graveyard. Seven top, it's R. Top, it's top down. It's a questing beast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This card is... I'm, I'm already, like, in draft. Your opponent, like, just plays this on turn four, and you're like, oh. Uh, I mean, you might just answer it, but... You might. You're not going to have a Planeswalker that's going to die. So yeah, like, You just okay. take four, and then you untap, and you kill it. It's like, it's a creature. I don't think you understand how Arena works. Say. Your opponent plays this, and then you concede. That's no, I don't. <laughs> I've got quests to do. I'm gonna have to play some cards first. That's how arena works. Um, yeah. What? What else? Let me ask you. What? What? 
Rose Thorn Acolyte. This is a card that showed up a bunch in the in the in the brawl deck. I think we'll let the Return of Nature just to be better naturalized, right? What's before, that? Before we move on, Return of Nature is strictly better than naturalized. Oh sure, yes. Like, it's, it's, it's an artifact or an enchantment or randomly hate on Brian's deck. Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, it's uh, a spell target card from a graveyard. It's very much a way to like. Here's a card that you can play like, oh, look, I'm playing most of one. <laughs> that makes this a good design. Yeah, there's, there's no, a lot it of... doesn't. There's a lot of cards in this set that are clearly leaning on Arena's best of one cues, right? And we're all going to have to agree to disagree about whether this is the way to design for that. Sure. Yeah, because we're not going to agree. I think, I think to some extent, adventures are also designed for that. Yeah, and again, I'm going to just, you know, not really think that that's what they're for like okay i mean i i mean they might have been intended for that but like i just don't think i don't think that giving people cards that's like it slices or it dices <laughs> or it mesmerizes because you might need any one of these things is how you deal with the fact that you don't have any sideboards like right. you know maybe you'll make a freaking choice and decide what they want to do and you know make the Make the sideboard cards powerful enough that you're going to play them if they if that's what you need, or just accept that they're not doing that. It's just, yeah, I just you know. It just starts to remind me of the decipher cards, where it's like if your opponent was playing any time anomaly, or <laughs> you know, too many of the Star Trek bridge crew from the Enterprise, or this or that, and you, they lose the game. And it's like God, <laughs> it's literally there's a card. It's like if they play one of the following seven cards by name, they lose. And you can see this card. Face down, the start of the game, right? Like some nine expansion, and like the cards they're talking about are bonkers cards. Which is like, you know, the way we're gonna deal with these cards. We're gonna print a card. You can choose to spend one of your seed card slots on this card, and if you catch someone playing one of these cards that we've sort of shadow banned, they just lose. I'm saying, yeah, you know, you know, there were. I'm not sure that's worse. <laughs> These yeah. are not good options. But it's the way it goes. So Rose Thorn Acolyte, I, I don't... I was just curious how you felt about, like, the seasonal ritual, that idea of, like, basically a one-mana metamorphose. Like, what, what is that card there for? Is that just there for the Brawl deck so you can play your So it was really weird in Brawl because at the time that I was playing Brawl, I did not appreciate that you could then cast the creature. <laughs> You thought it was the split card one or the other at the time. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I, I thought it was one or the other because the card doesn't actually explain it, right, sure. on the card. So I was just like, yeah, that's like a really expensive thing to sell out for, but yeah, I don't really have anything to... Yeah, I'll just, I'll just pay three mana. Also, it never would have mattered, I think. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's a nice little touch, right? It just seems like a lot of complexity, right? Like, not much of an adventure. Like some seasonal ritual. Right. But. Um, interestingly, one, one of the cards that we haven't talked about, because it's not really in the base standard set, is a card, green card that you really you thought might be like, might actually find its way into standard somehow, but is in the Brawl decks, is Thorn Mammoth. 5GG for a 6-6. Six, six. Uh, trample, whenever Thorn Mammoth or another creature enters a battlefield under your control, Thorn Mammoth fights up to one target creature you don't control. So you don't have to fight, but... But you do. But you've got a 6-6. Six, six. What else are you going to do? You're going to fight. Um, what, what, what is it about this card that you uh, that, that caught your eye? 
what caught my eye is that what you're looking for a card like that often is I'm playing some stuff, and you're playing some stuff, and now I play my stuff, and I just wipe you out. I, I just completely dominate your game, right? And so when you're playing Brawl, you played this Mammoth, right? I kill your big guy, and the next turn I kill your other big guy. Yeah. And then your other big guy, and then your other big guy. Just, you're just never going to be in this game again, because every creature I have has no removal spell, and I just completely dominate this game. And it comes down and immediately gets me advantage, which are the two things that you have to do. Right. And it, and it doesn't care about plays. It enters the battlefield. So anything you have that's a token maker or any type of, you know, recurring source of, like, creating a creature or a copy of a creature, you get to do all sorts of Right. I mean, it's hard to fight too many things at once. Yeah. They tend to gang up on you and kill you. Yeah. But it was pretty good at it. It's pretty big. So... I think it's a card you don't want to sleep on as, like, a potential just way to handle the situation. Seven's probably too much for most practical purposes. Secret, secret green card in standard. Yeah, secret green card. Like, it's, it, it exists at all, is what I'm trying to say more than anything else. Like, definitely think like it exists at all. So, multicolored cards. Um, so, you don't think we're, you think we're out of green cards? I thought we were out of green cards. Wildborn Preserver is a green card, right? Oh, okay, okay. So, we're definitely not out. I mean, Trail of Crumbs is probably not... Get it up, I don't think. But Wild oh, Preserver definitely is. Okay, so 1G for a 2-2 Flash Reach Elf Archer. Uh, whenever another non-human creature enters the battlefield under, under your control, you may pay X. When you do put X, plus one, plus one counters on Wildborn Preserver. This card can get out of hand pretty quickly, actually. Yeah, I mean, again, like, we've talked about several different ways to utilize this already. Right? So, you know, we, we can do the Fires of Invention thing, where we just have our mana free. Right. We can, in general, be playing the Green Blue Flash deck, where this creature can, you can if, you, if they ever try to remove it, you can respond by playing some tiny guy right. and growing him. Every time you just have mana left over, you just get to throw it in here. Like, it makes their life a living hell, and it's a very low cost to do so. And in general, I'm very excited to have cards that play early and then get really powerful late. Um, another thing you can do with it is um, I'll, create to, I'll, create, I'll create a wolf with my night, like, with my night pack ambusher at the end sure. of my turn. And just tap my mana. What the hell? Yeah. You know, stuff like that. There's a lot of ways to, to do that. It just generates a lot of power very easily. So I'm, I'm pretty excited by this idea. Um, no, it's it's my kind of card. Just, just gets big. Gets big when you have nothing better to do, right? Right. Gets big and it's just a fish, and it's just an efficient, perfectly fine creature at its base level. No, but it'll do. <laughs> You've played a two-two for two before. I have, and then I and then I looked at my deck, and it had about thirty-two cards in it. <laughs> I hope, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Or it was like 1995. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And, and Wildwood Tracker. Also, let's not quite finish yet. G for a 1 1 Elf Warrior. Whenever Wildwood Tracker attacks a box, if you control another non human creature, it gets plus one, plus one. So, 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 let me just see if I understand properly. Yeah. What you're saying is I attack as a 2 2. But I count as a 1-1. One, one. Yeah. 
So you, you enjoy this with uh, the Love Struck Beast. I think you do. You, you woo him into going on an adventure with you. He's like, wait, you're not a one-one. That's okay. I still love you, even though you got big. Will you love me even though I'm a little bit fatter? <laughs> as long as you lose weight by next attack step, yeah. it'll be fine. <laughs> so you like you like a uh, a one one for one here? As, as well, so turn one wild wood tracker, turn two grove chamber guardian, attack for two. Like sure. like turn two play a mana elf, attack for two. Right, it's just non-control another creature is a really, really easy requirement. Right. So I think this is basically attacking to the 2-2, and it costs G. So this gives me this, Hulk Collector, and the hero side of Love Strike Beast right. as my one drops. Okay. And that's all, you know, ways to get cheap guy. And none of, and none of them are strictly 1-1s one for 1. Right. And Paul Collector is like, you know, it does have the node where on turn four you can be like, oh, you killed my 1-1, one, one, I'll play a 1-1, one, one. now attack for five. Right. Or alternatively, other times you're like, I'll grow this thing. Right. Right, you got options. But, you know, I'm just saying, like, you have a lot of choices, right? And you can sculpt your plays based on what you want to do. And then Love Shark Beast is a way to get to five, you know, you grow your Pelt Collectors up through 5-5, five, five, which is, right. whenever you can get to 4-4, four, four, you're pretty excited. When you get above 4-4, four, four, you're really excited. And so if Questing Beast and Love Struck Beast pretty naturally in your deck, now you have a five and a four waiting for you. Right. And that Pell Collector is a serious threat already. And like, now you can add a second color, right? You know, look, this, is, this is a big game, right? This card is a two better, two, two, two twos for one have always played, right? Like, right. Yeah. So like, again, I think people were sleeping on the fact that this set is loaded. Right. The set is just loaded. And, and, and again, worth, worth noting that that's a common. Yeah. Right? You know, that's... The, the, the common cards in here have been pretty playable. Yeah, like I think they rotated a bunch of the elf-relevant cards. Right. Like, it was sad because like, the elf deck never quite got there. And I was really hoping it would. But it got, you know, it, someday. Someday. Uh, what are your thoughts on Dance of the Mance? That's actually what it's called. <laughs> I was like, what a nice way of saying it. The dance of the dance. No, no, no. That's, that's actually what it's called. That would have been a great piece of flavor text. That's actually what it's called. <laughs> um, in general, these, I have to pay as much as they cost cards. Yeah. I don't work. Okay. Um, I think it just costs too much. It's a commander card. Right. So if it was just return up to text, X artifacts, but... X artifacts that all cost X or less, that's where the, the claws get you. You need replenish. Like, yeah. you need to be for reals. Like, this is just not replenish. Like, X is six or more, then you get them to be four fours, but, like, yeah, it's just so much mana. Yeah. Certainly. And, like, it's making... I, I, don't, I don't see how to make this happen. Sure. It, it is certainly a commander card. It's a commander card. Yeah. Like, Doom Foretold is potentially more interesting. It just feels like if you pull this off, it's, like, dorky... Yo, know, ding, 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 ding. It adds up to, like, a decent amount? It's two white-black for an enchantment. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player sacrifices a non-land, non-token permanent. If that player can't, they discard a card, they lose two life, you draw a card, you gain two life, you create a 2-2 white knight creature token with vigilance, then you sacrifice Doom Foretold. Yeah, but if I don't get a food token, I'm not interested. 
What's that? <laughs> I need a food token or yeah. I'm not interested. No, um, like, this actually seems really interesting to me because it just wipes their board. If, if you're playing against decks that only have a few, like, don't have anything small to sacrifice, you can get at their big thing this way. And when you run out of stuff to kill, you can trade in for this package of stuff, which right. is a, a card and a 2-2, right? With them, and rate them for two. But you, you also have, it's each player's upkeep, so you also need to sacrifice. Yeah, but they're sacrificing every turn. And you can always sacrifice Doom Foretold if you decide that you don't want to keep going. <laughs> right? Like, you don't get to just keep going forever. Right. So, yeah, I think, I think this is pretty solid in the right situation. Drop of honey-ish kind of card. Yeah, it's going to cost four. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. Drop me a bit of a mistake, you know. Maybe yeah. A mistake. So, I think there's definitely a place for it in like a night deck with a bunch of one drops, or what we deck with a bunch of one drops and a black splash, or you know whatever. And you're saying like, yeah, you put a bunch of like nice three and four drops you have there. Why don't you sacrifice one of them? Okay, next turn sacrifice one of them again. Yeah. Right, and the player doesn't have the option to not sacrifice as long as they have right material to sacrifice. Right, like when I if you if you read this card as they can choose not to, then it's terrible because right. like. It's just not that big an effect for four mana. Right. When they have options. But they don't have options. They have they they are the issue is if they have like random stuff. But like if you're sacrificing food tokens and one drops, you're pretty excited to do this. So like you know, if you've got like like if you power this out with a with a goose, right, you start sacrificing food tokens. Right. Uh well you can't sacrifice food tokens because it's a non token permanent. Oh non token permanent. Oh okay. Yeah. That's fair. It's less exciting. Yeah. But it also means they can't sacrifice food tokens either. Right. So, there's a lot of decks that can do things, like, that have a bunch of raider, you know, random one right. drops flying around. I'm, I'm pretty confident. I'm less, I'm less, like, Drown in the Lodge is just another card of these, like, what is Controller's Graveyard thing going on? Like, what is it about, like, their graveyard that you want it to be big for? Which card are you looking at? Like, except for a top I think Drown in the Lock. Oh, is that, that must be a new one that I don't have in here. Uh, B-U, instant, yep. choose one, counter target spell converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of cards in your Controller's Graveyard. Or destroy target creature with converted mana cost less than equal to the number of cards in its controller's graveyard. So it's like this weird like combination counter anything or kill anything card in the late game when there's a lot of cards in their yard. Right. And early on it's like a blank. And I'm not sure what's like what's the top down logic behind this mechanic? This card was designed for Shota Yasoka. Very specifically for him. It's just for him. No one else will ever win with it. It'll always be perfect for him, and he will crush you. You play the five four. You have no like the right number of cards into your yard right at the right time. I mean, this one the five four seems like it's the start of something. Yeah, but even the, the what kind of discard do we have these days, right? To force cards into their graveyard besides thought erasure. Thought erasure is a great first card, right? But we have to follow it up. I mean, we have the we have the unmask card. <laughs> no, we don't. Uh, let's see. Do we have mine rot? I feel like we have a mind rot, don't we? Mind rot's potentially exciting in this spot, right? Yeah. Get us off the. Get yeah, us off mind the rot. I feel like I've gotten mind rot. In oh, you know what? I, oh, you know what we should do? We should we should play the planeswalker. The planeswalker's been underplayed. Which one? The oh, minus yeah. one that make you discard. What's his yeah. name? I don't know. I've blocked all of those cards out of my memory. Yeah. Which is this card of like I'm just going to start feeding. Yeah, I'm going to start. The guy that racks you eventually. The rack. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Um, Faber Elder, was that one of the cards you were talking about earlier? Yeah, because this guy taps for two mana, right? Yeah. Like, he's white-green, so he taps for white WG, and maybe he taps for something else. 
So, so he's a weird card. He's a 0-0 zero, zero for one green, one, and a white. Treefolk tree Druid with Vigilance, but he also gets plus one, plus one for each color among permanents you control, so really he's at minimum a 2-2. Two, two. Right. And then for each color, you add one mana. You can tap to add one mana of that color. Yeah, and in general, like, obviously, if you untap with this and the three mana sources that got you there, that's already five. So you don't really care that much about adding the third color. Right. It's more about getting a 3-3 three, three or 4-4 four, four to just be a bigger guy. So I'm not that excited by, like, working hard to get a blue creature into play or whatever, or a black creature, depending on which kind of life you want to live. But, or maybe red? Mm, that is a thing. Yeah. But I'm definitely interested in, you know, instead of playing this tiny 1-1, one, one, I get a, you know, 2-2 two, two Vigilance body to work with in this spot. Like, it's a lot of mana. Yeah. Uh... Garrick Curse Huntsman is a card that uh, does a lot. This card does a lot of work. Feels uh, Mike and I talked about this actually a little bit the last time we podcasted. I, I was saying that it felt a little Elspethy to me. Uh, does not have a plus ability naturally, but uh, you make uh, your zero ability is create two, uh, two, two wolves, uh, which have when this creature dies, put a loyalty counter on each Garrick you control. So that's how you up him. So, uh, yeah, so 4BG for 5 loyalty Planeswalker. So, you know, Elspeth range in terms of uh, casting costs. Create two black and green wolf tokens. Uh, and then when they die, you put a loyalty counter on each character control. Minus 3 is destroy target creature, draw a card. And then uh, minus 6 is an emblem. Creatures you control overrun. Have overrun. Permanently. (laughs) Permanently. Not that anyone has ever needed overrun for more than one turn, but... No, we have. We have. The I'm at two after the overrun thing is real. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I once had to cast two overruns in one turn to kill someone. Sounds like you had fun. I did. I was like, overrun. He's like, ha-ha, I'm not dead. Ha-ha, I'm not done. Overrun. (laughs) <laughs> so you're saying yeah, yeah okay so how do you feel about this card is this one of the cards you had listed so interestingly it wasn't but i think that was a mistake like, i was sort of like, just i was distracted by a lot of things like six is a lot yeah it is two wolves per turn i don't think it's he's no else path yeah right he's no god slayer right, right. like um Getting three one ones kills the fuck out of a cookie though. Yeah, was... so the video. Like that was him. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but I mean, that's not really that impressive, right? Like you get two wolves, but I mean, six is a lot, and I can definitely see beating this emblem. Yeah, like reasonably often, and like the short term creature draw card is not kill all the big creatures. I mean, it has more flexibility in some sense, right? You can sure. down and kill whatever ails you, even if it's small. But... I mean, interesting, it lets you cash in a wolf for a card. You can kill a wolf, draw a card. Put a loyalty counter back on. Put a loyalty on. counter back on. So you only got two down? Eh, it just seems awful. Like, I, yeah. I think it'd be very, very rare that you would ever do that. I think yeah, you're... Yeah, I do too. ...making more wolves, which is a good thing to do. Yeah, I'm... I'm guessing, like, yeah, black-green players will play this card. It will, like, win them games because it's, like, a very good grindy card. Right. But it's, like, 
Yeah. I'm not as excited as I am by some of the six drop play blockers I've seen recently. Okay. Right. This doesn't, doesn't do it for doesn't you. Doesn't quite do it for me. It's ne- these black green cards never do it for me. <laughs> it always feels like what are you what are you pussyfooting around with this card for? Like you're like give me blue green. You're like either give me fancy or give me brutish. You know, sometimes you're red green, but black green is like a little too like in the middle somewhere for you. I'm just like grinding is for jobs, man. <laughs> no, um. It's fine. It's fine. Like, I never respected it. I, ever since I played Turbo and I can't respect these rock decks, I guess, because, like, <laughs> we literally went through this period uh, where I, like, people would play these rock decks, and you'd never lose a game. Right? They play this deck that's, like, supposed to be, like, 50-50 against everything, right? right? They think they can never have a bad matchup. They're like, I'm never going to be great, right? But I'm never going to be bad, and I can run people out. And you're like, no, you literally never lose a game. Okay, what's the line? Here. Yeah. What's the line of this card being in Reed Duke's deck for MC Richmond? What's the line? Yeah, what's the line? Like what what's the off the board? <laughs> like <laughs> No, um not taking any action. That's a that's joke. Uh, 50-50. I think fifty fifty. Yeah. Like just because like I think that it's his type of card very much so I mean, just I think at 50-50, I would take that. Yeah, I, I would probably... I feel like I'm getting a bargain at 50-50. I don't think you are. I think there's a lot of different strategies out there. And, like, I understand that he's done this a lot. But he's also been influenced by his teammates a decent amount. Um, and I think there's more powerful things to do. I think I'm getting at least 5% here. You're being very precise. <laughs> like, I, I don't think you're getting much more than that. Like, I... I, I, there's a lot of things that you can do. <laughs> All right, let's look at some of the other stuff then that we could be doing here. Inspiring Veteran is exactly what you think it is. It's your Night Lord. Yeah. Right? Red, white. Other nights you control and get plus one, plus one, and it's a 2-2. Uh, two, two. It feels like it's the wrong pair, right? Like, black is the color I want to be my primary right now for the night deck. Because it right. gets a lot of the nights. And this is making things annoying, because now I need both of the others. And this was black with either of them. Right, we have, yeah. Yeah, it's it's you got to jump through some hoops here to make this all work. Yeah, you do, and your your dual land doesn't work with your spells, and it's going to be kind of frustrating. Uh, the mana is pretty bad right now, relative to what we're used to. Yeah, it's not that bad. It's just not great. You still get to play twelve pain lands, right? Like twelve shock lands. Sure. So and some temples. So, not so bad. That doesn't sound terrible. In the four, we, we've we've certainly lived through worse. We lived through worse. But we also don't want to play like cards that cost double color on right. turn two. Yeah. in those decks, if we didn't avoid it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's funny. Up until this moment, I actually thought the blue green flyer was Mana Leaf Pixie, but it's Mara Leaf Pixie. I mean, I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> I just had read it as Mana Leaf up until it's because this point. they typo doesn't mean you should feel responsible. <laughs> uh, so this is our <coughs> this is our Lanor Elf replacement. No, 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 no. This is our Druid of the Cow replacement. Oh, okay, okay. Our Lanor Elf replacement is uh, the Goose. Sure, the Goose is loose. Right. Uh, this is just the a Goose is pretty loose. No, it's not. <laughs> The goose. I mean, as a replacement for an elf, it's pretty loose. The goose late game gained you three life a turn. Okay. 
The goose generates food tokens that bring back seven sixes that have vigilance and trample or like creates giant opportunities. The goose has some merit. Yeah. I'm not against the goose. Okay. And I will play the one drop that produces mana. And I'm not going to apologize for it. <laughs> Even a little bit. It is, it is a hallmark of your magic career. I mean, I will say that he's like, like, is it, it's the best Armorial Grazer ever printed, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, take that in whatever spirit you want. Sure. <laughs> For example, it casts second turn Oko Thief of Crowns. It casts second turn the Royal Scions. Just looking at my screen right now. Uh, which of these two do you like better? Oko. Yeah? So you just, you're into creating food tokens here? I am into the plus one. So plus one target artifact or ability or creature loses all abilities and becomes a green elk with base. So I'm into, for example, turn one goose, turn two, sacrifice the food token to cast Oko, turn the goose into a 3-3. Go. Or create a food token so I can tap the goose again next turn. Right. Go. Both of these seem awesome. You can also turn a food token into an elk. You could also do that. Like every other turn, you just get a 3-3 while getting three loyalty. So I'm pretty excited by this Oko. And also you can just use the Gilded... You can also create food tokens with your Goose and then transport them into 3-3s. Three yeah. You get one every turn. Yeah. And like this thing costs three and comes down with six loyalty. Right. Like, hello. How are you not excited? Right? I, I mean, it's blue-green. I'm pretty excited. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you think about the ultimate? Um... So what we're saying is you can create a food token and then on your neck, is it ultimate or is it just turn three? Then you're like, <laughs> I'm going to pass you that food token. Just take your guy. So right. I'm really excited by this. Like, it's just, these are really, really attractive things to do because my Bugarina does not care about giving you a food token. Right. Right? So this card just seems ridiculous. Right? Like, this card seems like one of the handful of cards we should be talking about in the opening. Like, you can't find it with Once Upon a Time, so it's not going to come up every game. Right. Real shame that. <laughs> I feel for it. But, like, I'm going to six immediately? Or I'm going to five immediately while creating? Right. Like, like, well, protecting it with my artifact becoming a 3-3. Three, three. Right. Like, I'm just, you know, the food token I incidentally created, you know, somehow. It's just, Wow. Oh, let's just pause and how do we get here? I think the days go by, you know. Three. I mean, it ha- where does this fall in, like, in the three mana planeswalker camp, too? I mean, name a better one, right? Jace Bellerin. No, it has to be Scary Time Rebel or nothing, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like realistically, Jace Be- Jace Bellerin is is. I mean, I, I was always a. Uh, seller of Chase Bellerin. Okay. I never really got it. Like, occasionally I lose a game to it, and I'd be like, how did that even happen? <laughs> but, there's also a lot of games where they played it, and it's like, well, it felt like you just, like, wasted your turn. Yeah. In some important sense. But, just like Teferi. Oh, wait, no, exactly the opposite. Exactly the opposite of Teferi. <laughs> also keep in mind, by the way, turn one, Goose. Turn two, Teferi is a thing. Right. Like, it's a man of any color. It's very, very easy to, to yeah. play the, you know. So... I can definitely imagine a world in which you've got the band thing going. And so you're also accelerating out like, oh, I'm just going to play a, a two-mana mana creature on turn two. Is that another thing I can do on turn three? Probably not in the same deck. But like, you know, the band flash deck. 
plus Oko. It just like gets there early. Like this is the kind of thing that I'm like really eager to do, right? It just seems like it's pretty freaking awesome. Like Oko just takes over games, right? Yeah. Like takes over games while plusing. Like what the hell? I mean, there's some matches where you're just going to want to, where you're just sort of un, under no pressure, and you also just get to go food token, food token, food token, and all the, you know, things that you get to do, all the giants you get to make, all the things you get to return from your graveyard, you know, all, you know where, where, he, where you're just not under any early pressure. I mean, at turn three, this, turn four, giant opportunity, make a 7-6, go, yeah. if you're not playing as Teferi. Yeah. You know. So many options. Yeah. You know, and that's without any help, right? You can also just do turn two this, turn three that, if you're just, like, goosing. If you just prefer to get this guy on the table as opposed to just making a second food token. If you need a little goose. The food token thing is starting to, like, get exciting. <laughs> but. You, you uh, I think you've definitely liked Giant Opportunity more than I've heard people mentioning so far. I mean, people are sleeping on it, right? Yeah. Like, it's... If default mode with nothing to help it is eventually gain nine life, which is bad. Sure. But not the end of the world, necessarily. And, like, the question is how often you have food tokens lying around, right? Or are you willing to spend two cards in a 7-6 if you draw two of these guys? Right? Turn, I mean, it depends on what's out there, right? If you've got a bunch of, like, people are putting on summon in some of their early builds. That makes that card a lot worse. Right? People are playing a bunch of removal spells that kill it cleanly, then I'm less excited. Right. But, you know, and also, I, I, my 7 and Oko just transformed into a green elk. It's like, eh. <laughs> like, Oko is just, this card, you're giving them a green elk removal. Like, yeah. You're giving it everything. You're giving it the world. You're just giving it like, the world. You give them a 3 3 they attack a fit, you put your knife, which I'm sure. You block. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, it doesn't seem fair at all. Yeah. Uh, what was the next card you wanted to talk about? Did you want to? I mean, the Royal Scions is worth talking about, right? Okay. So it's another three mana Planeswalker. Uh, legendary Planeswalker, Will, Will Rowan. Uh, five loyalty. Plus one is draw a card, then discard a card. Also a plus one target creature gains plus two plus zero. First strike and trample until end of turn. And then minus eight, draw four cards. When you do the Royal Scions, deal damage to any target equal to the number of cards in your hand. So an unimpressive ultimate. Like, you're doing a lot of work for a thing that might not end the game. Yeah. Easily not end the game. I mean, I think we're, we're just missing... You said unimpressive ultimate? Yeah. I mean, draw four cards. Draw is... four, do like six or seven, probably? Something like that? Yeah. It's pretty good, but like... For an actual, I have to work for ultimate these days. Yeah. Like, I think we're burying the lead of draw four cards, but I think we're burying the lead of draw a card and discard a card is yeah. like the actual lead, right? <laughs> it's just a loot. This right. is a way to loot, and then have a six loyalty planeswalker for three mana that I have to actually somehow deal with. I'm going to keep doing it, and I get to do things like put my Arcwight Phoenix into my graveyard, or right. you know, otherwise or, or put instants of sorceries that I don't want to cast into my graveyard for. You know, to make my whatever drakes bigger. Yeah, set up my magic mirror. Or, yeah. Yeah, what have you. Oh, yeah, I forgot about magic mirror. Yeah. I mean, I just... 
It's got a lot of loyalty. Yeah. Yeah. Not as not as exciting as Oko though. Not as no, it's not probably, as good at helping the, itself. It's, it, it's doing decks that people want to build more than they want to build the Oko deck. Yeah, but the Oko card seems really awesome to me. It's like three mana. I get a six toughness. I get a six loyalty planeswalker, and then the turn after that, I will transform that thing I just made into a three three, <laughs> and still have a seven loyalty planeswalker. Right, and that's the default with options. Right. So, yeah, let's do this, right? Um, so what, what's a, what is a food token worth to you? Savvy Hunter, 3-3 three, three for 3, so, you know, gnarled mass kind of stats. Uh, but whenever it attacks or blocks, doesn't even need to resolve that combat in a profitable way, you create a food token, and it also has the ability to sacrifice two foods Draw card. Not this Which, much. Not this much? Okay. Uh, the problem is, like, it doesn't say a tax boxer comes into play, right? right? Like, it doesn't... They have an opening. Right. You can't give them opening. It doesn't work that way. Right. I mean, if he comes down with foods in play, you can cash for a card. Sure, but... Not, not exciting for not you. What, if, you're, if you're working that hard to get food, you right. don't want to just sell your food. Right. That cheap, right? right? No. So is, it, so is is this like the this whole mechanic going to be one giant marshmallow test for magic? Like how people value their food, how quickly they cash it in. Like if you just wait a little longer. I don't think so because most people just have things to do. It costs yeah. two mana to cash in your food. Right. That's a lot of mana, and eventually you'll probably have plenty of time to do it. So, like if you're like constructed, you're not cashing in your food. Right. Right. Unless you're against right, you're just not doing it. Basically. Uh, Shine Chaser, this is a card we saw quite a bit in the, the Brawl decks. Uh, it's a 1-1 one, one for one white and a blue. Uh, Flying Vigilance gets plus one, plus one as long as you control an artifact. Plus one, plus one as long as you control an enchantment. So essentially in that deck was almost always a 3-3 three, three Vigilant Flyer. Yeah, that's upside, right? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It's like, okay. Like you get your Mantis Rider without haste. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not interested. Like, okay. it's, just, it's conditional. It's a, it's a card that's conditionally a good card. It doesn't work for me. It has to be conditionally a great card. Okay. Uh, Steel Claw Lance, this is another card that was in the Brawl deck. Yeah, as I was saying, like, it's one of these things where it's like, well, yeah, technically it's like a solid rate, but not a great rate, right? It's three mana for the first plus two plus two, and then you get it back for one, like instead of two, right? But the black red is so punishing. <laughs> like, just the number, the number of ways for this to just not go well is not small. Right. Uh, and then Wintermore Commander was the other night card you yeah. were talking about. We're definitely excited here. So Death Touch, Wintermore Commander's toughness is equal to the number of knights you control. Counts itself in that regard. It's white-black to cast. It's a two and a star. And then whenever a white more Wintermore Commander attacks, other target knight you control gains indestructible until end of turn. So. I'm really excited to play this card if we have the rest of the deck, right? Like, if the mana in the deck works... And the the mana is the trick, right? Yeah, but like this is a very good thing where I attack with this and something else, and I'm Death Touch, so I never do worse than trade, and the other guy is indestructible. Okay. We have any, like, tribal lands available to very us? Very good, by the way, with the red one drop. Oh, yeah. Right? 
because like it boosts this up. Like it just it protects it, so it can do cool things. Like just in general, if the one drops, like it just it, it's good to defend things. I there's a bunch of different ones that do like they they attack and other guys get effects, and so you like you protect them while well, they trigger everyone, and this guy is death touch. But and two of them together is pretty sweet, right? Yeah. Two of them together are just both indestructible death sure. touch. A <laughs> uh, couple of, uh, a handful of cards that have uh, hybrid mana or hybrid mana, all of them. Uh, which of those have... Covetous Urge is the good one, right? So Covetous Urge is Demir, 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 Sorcery. Target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a non-land card from that player's graveyard or hand and exile it. You may cast that card for as long as it remains exiled. And you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast that spell. Kind of cool. That's a pretty great mirror breaker, right? In general, like I just steal one of your, I, I just steal a card in your hand, right? Oh, yeah. what are you, what are you planning to do next turn? Oh, this good great. plan. I'll do it. Yeah. Or yeah, or even early on, you're like, I'm going to disrupt you with a cheaper disruption spell, and oh, nothing else going on. Well, I'm going to take that great. Yeah, four is a lot, but just it's a it's a it's a daunting number. This feels pretty back breaking. Yeah. None of the others speak to me. Okay. Like, under a snapper, it seems like it's just, like, life has moved on. You know, like, Fireborn Knight feels like you've had double strike. Congratulations. <laughs> you know, like, Lock Dragon is just a limited card, etc. Wait, which artifacts have uh, jumped out at you? Um, it's a pretty sad bunch, mostly. <laughs> um, so I would say Inquisitive Puppet, actually. Could be my uh so scry one. Yep. It's an O2 for one. Right. Yep. Scry one. Exile him to get a one-one white creature token. Okay. So I see this as uh, very, very flavorful. Scry one, free block, get a one-one. Right. <laughs> right. So he's like sort of like a Sakura Tribelder-ish kind of card. It seems like a very reasonable way to get a little extra value um, in various fronts. Again, like, I don't really expect to actually play this card right. anywhere, but I can imagine worlds in which this is just, you know, a scry and two blockers for one mana right. that bridges me to the things that I want. Right. And is a really good card against, like, some sort of hyper-aggressive. Um, Jousting Dummy is a colorless knight. Congratulations. Well, we might need it in our three-color deck with not good manifests. Not this bad, man. <laughs> not this bad. Uh, nothing else really has jumped out at you there? I don't think so. All right. Um, so looking at the lands, uh, we do get a tri-land for the Knights. We, we get tournament grounds. So, and, we get, and it's not yeah. legendary. Yeah. How, how do you feel about this? Good. I feel like the knight deck has to play four of it, <laughs> and that makes this mana much better. Yeah. And that's all it does. Uh, right, also Witch's uh, Cottage and also Idyllic Grange. Um, Idyllic Grange and Witch's Cottage, like, just telling me I have to play three other lands first will still come into play tapped. No matter how good I am at playing planes or swamps, it seems pretty obnoxious. Right. And these effects are pretty small. I mean, the art's great. Right. I love looking at these. The art on all three of these lands is great. 
but I just can't see being willing to do this, right? right? Like, maybe if I, like, things like those, the, the mono decks that want to run these types of effects, we can't afford to draw three lands and have this be one of them. Right. So, so as you start, you're looking at the set, obviously, with an eye towards Richmond. Yep. What, what, are, what are the things, what are the things that start, like, that you start putting into your sketchbook? As like, here are the cards I want to build around. Obviously, the knights are very attractive. So to the knight deck, it is what it is, right? And kind of like, like it's one of the things I let other people build. Sure. It's like I'm not going to need to build that because someone else will take care of it for me. Is a flyer like it's a white blue fire deck that probably gets very little from this set that people have been playing in the queue. Like other people will build that. I may or may not have a revision for it, but like it is what it is. Yeah, same idea. Um. But generally, what I ask myself is, you know, what does the new set enable me to do? What makes it special? So, like, if I'm determining what to do, and there's also uh, the last card would be Kenra for the Return Knight, probably. The Return King happens to be, like, at the end of this list. So okay. it's white four for a 5-5 five, five legendary human noble. And it has an ability for each color. So, like, for white, it's, like, oh. two white target player gains five life. So already we're talking about, you know, a gain life on a stick that can just give you ten life a turn. Starting on turn six, which is going to shut most decks out of being able to ever kill you. Right. So if you're playing like a white deck of a bunch of mana, like it could fill, this could very much fill the, uh, the Redonbringer role. Right. You play this edit control deck, you just bring in Kenrith in a white blue deck. Right. And suddenly you just start getting 10 and 15 life a turn. And they literally just can't kill you without like putting a giant swarm out and you wrath. And like technically you have, and you have blue mana so you can draw cards. Right? If you feel like it, but just, you know, hi, you forgot to deal with this, you lose. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, the black ability brings back creatures. That's pretty easy. Yeah, I feel like I'm left alone. You know, green just, in a white green deck, this just starts pumping everything. In a red deck, everything, including this, has trample and haste whenever they need it. You know, for nothing. There's a lot to be, there's a lot to like here. Yeah. And you can splash a very little bit of a color, right, to do this. Like in the red, you could just, like, splash a couple red sources. Right. You have haste if you need it, or block to just reanimate something if you need it. And but... green just for once upon a time. Yeah, you were already splashing green, so why not? <laughs> that seems fair. But yeah, so basically, like, this just seems like a really good um, value creature to consider playing if you're in the market for that. And you're, like, accelerating this out seems reasonably exciting, right? Like, if you put this out on turn four... And you're like, on turn five, I'm going to gain 10 life, if that's what's going on. Right. And that's a, that's a legend. Yeah. But it's like, I'm going to gain 10 life, and I'm going to have a 5-5. Five, five. And, like, the ability of many decks to get through that is not. And you just have to kill this thing. Right. Um, you know, obviously it looks like it's supposed to be a commander card, but... Certainly going to be. Sure. People are going to play that as their commander, yeah. no doubt. But, yeah. And then there's a bunch of cards that, like, I don't think matter. Uh, Shimmer Dragon is not necessarily... If, if the artifact deck is a thing, Shimmer Dragon is not necessarily t- that bad. Like, yeah. it's, you know, definitely has options. Uh, Banishing to Fable is... Like, again, if the artifact deck's a thing, then you could actually, like, play an artifact enchantment deck that's going to reliably do this for three. I'm not uninterested, necessarily. Right. You know. Um... Yeah, I don't think any of the other cards here. Um, yeah, Torben, we already talked about, right? So, like, yeah. or did we? No, you know, we didn't. That's, a, that's one of the new cards that just got the, 
that just got released. Yeah. So, like, I really appreciate the whole, like, every red card does two more damage this turn thing. <laughs> just because I played this four drop. You know, I'm not going to hate that card. No, 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 I'm not. No. Yeah, you're... You know, your your bone crusher giant or whatever he's called that gets a little better in hand too, right? Deals four. Can't be prevented. Yeah, I'm much more of a like I played a bunch of one red red one drops, then on turn four I drop this and I attack. Attack whatever. Like I just you know, I everything has plus two plus zero. Sure. And then I drop and I burn you to death. Right. If you don't kill this thing, it's like great, we're in that game again. <laughs> like why do I even bother? That game's fun. Yeah, Knight's Charge is uh, potentially a real thing. Whenever Knight you control attacks, you drain them for one. And then for six WB, you get to, you know, return all that creatures from your river to the battlefield. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. like, you get to, like, you know, pump up your attack, and then if the game goes really long, you get to, like, just bring everyone back. So there's a few extra cards. Like, this, this that's deep. And Tulane isn't obviously... I'm not going to miss Tulane or Alayla... Flat out. Sure. Right? Like, flying Death Touch Lifelink is an unusual series of combination things. I don't think you can build a deck that, like, wants that creature slash has enough artifacts and enchantments, but if you could, maybe? And Shulane, I mean, there are going to be decks that, you know, cast a lot of creature spells. Right. And you're tempted, but it's still two four vigilance for five. So no. No. When it's not a commander, you can't really do that. Part of card I'm curious about is uh Taste of Death. Or BB. Each player sacrifices three creatures. Oh yeah, I had that too. I you just... create three food three food tokens. Yep. Like just seems seems like a card players who like control decks want to be aware of. Definitely. Uh, it's also like a, you know... Gets around indestructible. Let's all, sack three, let's all sack three creatures. I'll get my 7-6 back. I right. mean, I'll yeah. get nine life. I mean, oh, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, seems sweet. It's expensive, though. Yeah, no, I agree. It just, it, it deals with creatures in a very specific way that gets around indestructibility or hexproof or a lot of other things that sometimes can be a problem in those kind of more controlling games. Yeah. That's all. That's so, a card. That's a card. I, I those are the cards I like to pay attention to, right. Because they do something in a in a different way. And so, if like I'm forcing you to sacrifice, that's always something I pay attention right. to, and I'm willing to pay a little bit of a tax on. Right. So I would say, if I was thinking things seriously, I would be testing civic decks first, uh, because of course I would. <laughs> and there's a bunch of different. Because when you say it from being serious, you mean being serious about knowing yourself as a person. That too, but like if I was, you know, sort of the things that are the most, are not going to, because I feel like when you're just pouring early on in a format these days, the important thing is to pick an angle where you don't expect everybody else to get the right answer. Right. So you don't waste your time. Sure. Right. I don't want to build the night deck because I am not going to be doing something original. I'm just going to be doing what everyone else is doing at the same time. Right. Why well, not just wait two weeks? I get their list. Right. Whereas Simic feels like it has like various combinations of five different decks. And other people are going to be sleeping on a lot of the cards and a lot of the combinations. Um, you know, certainly on all the Biomass familiar versions. 
<laughs> and I can. I mean, I've, I've been testing a Biometrics Familiar deck in the queue, uh, the 2020 queue. Sure. And it's not good enough right now. But you, yeah, but there's more weapons. Coming. I mean, you, yeah, because you lose Lenore Elves and Adventurous Impulse, so your turn one is blank, basically. Right. And you're just not fast enough to get around that. Like, there's just. Everyone has a little something for you, so it's just not good enough. Right. Um, you still do a lot of cool things, but it's not there. But yeah, this, this set gives you a lot more angles and probably makes you a lot more powerful. Like, Gilded Goose is very exciting to me. Um, and then you can move from there to um, yeah, a number of places. Okay. Uh, uh, what's the line on? Give me what's the line on you not playing at least three copies of Once Upon a Time in Richmond? Not good. <laughs> I mean, to be clear, this requires almost requires two non-green colors be serious in my deck, right? Right. At a minimum. So I think like an interesting question is something like you're playing a night deck, right? Your meta base is the night meta base. Sure. Are we sure we're not playing this card? I'm sure I'm not brave enough, but I'm not sure you're not. I don't know if I'm brave enough. Right? But I know that, like, it's less obvious to me than people think. Like, the value of getting off to the gates in the right spot. Like, being able to go five, immediately five cards deeper towards your lore. Like, because you have these two knights for two mana, right? that are really important to you, and you have this land that you really want. You have this, right. this mana base that doesn't really quite work. Oh, sure. Right? And so the opportunity to fix that, and then you also potentially, put it like, if I'm playing low-to-the-ground version, where I need a white, I need a black, I need a red. Right. And I need three total. And I need nothing else. Right? Because everything costs one or two, except for, like, the black-black one guy, maybe. You know, like, you know, but basically, I need three mana... Not that much more than that. So, like, if I replace my lands with this card, then is a land I can no longer play. Right? Do I even care that much? Right? I'm trying to tempo them out pretty fast anyway. You know, I can't cast this at all anymore. That's true. So, so you're smoothing your early draws and knowing that in a long game, you might have some dead cards. In, in a long game, I have an actual dead card. And I'm aware of this, yeah. right? Like, is the, the theory here. Now, obviously, I'd much prefer to find a way to have a handful of green sources so that eventually I cash that card back in. Right. But I don't think there's a practical way to do that in the night deck. I think the night deck is actually SOL on paying G1G. Um, like, there's just no realistic card that bridges me back. But again, like, where are the cards that cost more than three that I want to play? Right? Like, so, like, you know, if we go to Gatherer, right? We just look at the Knights. Or you wanted to. Any luck? Uh, working on it. I mean, you have to assemble the thing, right? There's uh, formats.
right, so looking at the knights available, the Cavaliers are your big knights, right. I guess, right? Like, you see the knights in. So, like, if you get Cavalier of Flame or Cavalier of, you know, Knight or Dawn, like, in theory, I could be interested, but, like, I don't think that's what we're about. Right? I think that's just a different deck. So, let's assume we're not doing that. Ooh, Corpse Knight's exciting. I like Corpse Knight. Sure. So, we're doing Corpse Knight. So, we're doing the, we're doing the 12 um, two-colored two-drops. Right, as the first half of our creature base. <laughs> of our of our yeah, of our thing. Um Knight of Autumn is our green knight. Yeah, worth noting, but I don't think it goes anywhere. <laughs> Oaksworn Knight is probably our three drop that we have as our top end of our curve. Sure. Right. Um and then you know, we have to ask which of these cards is the best. Uh, but, yeah, I'm pretty confident looking at this list that I don't want to go above three. So, so even, even in the Mardu Knight stack, you're, you're going gonna, you're gonna to... I'm going to have Murderous Rider and or... Story. What? I'm saying you're going you're gonna to once upon a time in that deck. I think so. Okay. I, think, I, think, I mean, at least I'm going to try it, right? Sure. Like, I mean, I'm looking at, like, Murderous Rider, Oathsworn Knight... You know, maybe Midnight Reaper, depending on exactly what we're up to. Sure. Are the three drops. Like, the three drops are black. And I think that's the high end of my curve for sure. Like, Knight of the Eve on Legion is definitely in. Right? Which is one of the few reasons why I might want more mana. Right. Right. That's going to make me sad I don't draw my land. Right? Um, so we have those three. Like, we, so, okay, we definitely have... So if we assume Murderous Rider, Oathsworn Knight... Uh, Knight of the Ebon Legion and the 12 gold 2 drop. That's 24 cards already. Um, we still have a few more slots. Right. Right. Like, we're not going to do nothing else. So, the format probably ends up playing, you know, you probably just want more knights to our extent. Right. Um, but, yeah, I think that, like, it's possible you play one or two just because, like, Venerable Knight's probably pretty good. So, like, we're playing Venerable Knight. And probably the... Eh, we'll figure it out. Like, <laughs> you know, no, no, no need to decide now. Right. Um, but, yeah, I think the first one seems like a, you know, better than not playing it. Obviously, if you draw multiples, the second one's dead automatically, even if it's in your opening hand. It's a mulligan. So, I'm going to be very reluctant to play all four. But, like... I'm saying that, like, it's not obviously not going to be played. Like, it, keep in mind it doesn't this, right? Like, basically every card in your deck is a hit. Right. So, there's a lot of reason to to want to tough this out, right, in that sense. Um, and certainly if I'm, if I'm, look, if I'm playing green at all, it'd be pretty surprising to me if I didn't have four. All right. Well, let's uh, look at Throne of Eldraine with Jim Oshwitz, Brian David Marshall here for Top 8 Magic. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, I'm sure we will talk to you all soon. Thanks. Thanks.